What is the construction life? It's a 5 a.m. wake up, workout, shower, prepare lunch, send off the family, hop into the work truck, call the crews and suppliers, arrive on site, organize, prep, build, have fun, wrap up, end the day on a high note, head home, spend time with your family, prep for the next day, turn in, sleep, wake up, and do it all over again because you love what you do every single day of the construction life. Good enough will never be good enough for us. Check out the most listened to construction podcast online in 13 different podcast channels and listen to 61 countries around the world. Listen to conversations from real tradespeople, suppliers, sales reps, and clients sharing real stories about real job sites and real on-site experiences. If you are young and getting started in the industry, been in the business for decades, there is always something new to learn, and the guests and hosts of this popular construction podcast will never sugarcoat anything, especially the hard truth about construction. Check out The Construction Life. You can find it really anywhere, but Apple Podcasts is probably your best bet. It's called The Construction Life. to dominate. Come on, Jack Perry. Nobody is going to take this away from me. All right, hello everybody and welcome to this week's AEW Dynamite Review Show here on the unofficial WWE Podcast. It's Thursday, February 17, 2022. And we've got Ashley Mann here with us because we could not miss the chance to talk about the big news that broke this week. We were just just getting into it a little bit, but first, Ashley, how are you doing? I'm doing wonderful. Thank you so much for having me, Mimi. How are you? Oh, I'm great, and I'm excited. And I think we'll probably just you know we'll jump into the show because this was a great dynamite. I thought, or it had a lot of a lot of you know what it had a really good audience. Let me put it that way. It had a really yeah. good crowd. Uh, they definitely elevated it, but before we get into the actual show from last night as a whole, I think we should just, you know, jump right into it without further ado. There's so much to talk about. We were just kind of getting into it. I know you got your feelings about it. I have plenty of feelings about it as well, and um, I don't know where to start. I'm sure we're going to miss a couple <laughs> points here and there, but Cody Rhodes did not sign a uh, new contract with AEW. Obviously, if you've been living under a rock, Tony uh, Khan released a statement on AEW's Twitter and Instagram, and then both Cody and Brandy Rhodes released their own statements, just, you know, essentially thanking everybody they worked with. No information as to how or why or what what would the rhyme or reason. Uh, and in the subsequent few days, what has it been, like two days? It's It's been uh, reported mm-hmm. that it was financial, you know, disagreements. They just couldn't agree on a financial uh, uh, or a number, I guess, and they also couldn't agree that uh, Cody Rhodes no longer had as much co- uh, creative control back in 2000. I think it was early 2020. I think it was post-Dark Order. Uh, Tony Khan yeah. kind of took uh, took the reins of the creative a little bit, and I, I think Cody Rhodes <laughs> didn't like that. So he uh, was leaving a place where he has some creative freedom to a place where he has no creative freedom. I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know if I believe all the reports coming out. I'll believe it when I see it is what I was just saying, but – Ashley, what are your what were what were your first thoughts when you uh, saw the news? Yeah, uh, like I like I mentioned to you, I was shocked. Like I, when I 
first saw um, a friend of mine had sent me the screenshot of what AEW posted their statement, you know, that was of course signed by Tony Khan. Um, and before I get into that, I, I don't know if you noticed it, but I, I found it. I just kind of chuckled when he listed all of his titles. And then the last one was like head of creative or something like that. And then now we're like the report just saying it was of course cash. Cause it's, it always is. Right. But then the fact that, like you said, he, him losing his creative control and like whatever booking power he had and, and all that. So like kind of seeing that and kind of putting two and two together, just kind of made me chuckle a little bit, but yeah, dude, like I'm, I'm, shocked i don't know if i was saying it to you or if it was someone else but i i thought that cody would be a lifer like and part of me felt like he would have been a lifer but then part of me thinking back on the whole reason why he left wwe like it makes perfect sense that he would go back um but just seeing like how passionate him he was and how involved he was and in, in not just like on screen but like probably more so behind the scenes and like all the community stuff he did and all that stuff and like his TV shows and everything like he just had so much built into AEW already in the short what almost 3 years that they've been in existence uh, and for him to just be out already like i'm just shocked uh, but like i said like part of me kind of gets maybe i'm not gonna say no i'm not gonna say i understand it but thinking back to it like i said the whole reason why he left wwe was because he wasn't viewed as the main event guy right he was just that mid carter had however many different versions of himself and characters and all that but he wanted to prove that he was a main eventer so i guess he part of him feels like he did and if he truly is going back to wwe i know i'm giving a long winded answer but if he does go back to wwe like they almost have to book him as a main eventer, right? Like, I would feel like if he goes back and is anything less, then he's even more foolish for leaving than than you may think he is right now. Um, but I'm I'm gonna stop there and, and let you kind of get get out what you need to say because I know you have some feelings on it. Now you you bring up an interesting point, and I think before like just the before getting into kind of what he would do actually, you know, in WWE at all. Um, the thought of like the actual just him leaving and what you're talking about about creative control and, and you know him leaving WWE, WWE originally because he was uh, not viewed as a main eventer I, I didn't even think about it this way but I mean he kind of tied his own hands with that stipulation um, you know back back in earlier uh, AEW history where he would never challenge for the title again mm-hmm. you like yes I'm, I'm thinking about MJFC and Punk right now like you can absolutely still do big seemingly main event stuff uh outside of the title picture but the whole point of this whole thing is to be fighting for that i think it's an ugly belt and you know my opinion but like you're still we're all supposed to be fighting for that right so when you make it so you can't ever do that and and you know all power to me stuck by the stipulation but you kind of are tying your hands as to whether or not you are, are going to be a main eventer. I felt like he actually, and and I'm, I'll admit I watched some of that uh, roads to the top, and yeah, reality shows are all you know BS. But from what I gathered, it seemed like he was kind of ready to to just, you know, still do important programs. But I I feel like he wanted his cake and eat it too. He wanted to be looked at as this guy who's elevating talent and all this stuff, but he also wanted to be considered this big main event player. I I don't really know. This is all speculation, of course. We we kind of can't uh, comment on anything with any real knowledge other than what everybody else has seen as well. So I'm a I understand the money going for the money. The the difference to me is 
And thinking about um, Shinsuke Nakamura lately, because with the comparison with this, this is somebody who did all his work, you know, his more uh, celebrated work, you know, in, in Japan and all over the world, really. But um, and then he came to WWE and now he dances with Rick Boogs. Right. And the guy <laughs> seems to be perfectly happy. Right. He did the low blow stuff with AJ Styles. And uh, that was about the peak of his career. It felt like in, in WWE. Isn't that sad? That's what we remember from that feud. The, all the low blows. Yeah, I know. Like... Right. But so but but what like what were we going to expect? Here's two small indie guys. He doesn't Vince McMahon doesn't care. You know, so it's as much as like we can all geek out about it. Vince McMahon just doesn't care. And so, you know, Shinsuke Nakamura now, I'm not saying he doesn't care, but the guy loves to surf. He likes to live in Florida. He loves to surf and he's getting his money and he's, you know, having fun. He seemingly seems to have fun, you know, at his job. And he's already done all the hard work that he wants to do, you know, career wise, it seems like. And he's just getting his like good for him. Right. These people right. bump for a living. You know, it's it's painful. It doesn't it's not good for your body. Get in and get out as quick as you can. Um, so if he's able to do that and do what he loves kind of, and still enjoy himself and make a good amount of money and be able to do stuff he loves like surfing, whatever, like good power to him. To me, Cody Rhodes is not in that, uh, spot. I don't know if he thinks he's foolish enough to go try to be CM Punk and change the system. That's one option, right? The other one is maybe he just wants money and he doesn't care at this point. Uh, number three could be he just wants to spite people. I, I really think, for me, my thought process is that I think Cody Rhodes is, is uh, you know, all all good things that come with Cody Rhodes, his ego is ginormous. I really think he thinks he's going to go and uh, and change something or, you know, be be any different than another, what is it, cog in the wheel that every other yeah. wrestler in that company is. I, I, I don't think, I think he's going to get squashed by Roman Reigns, actually, if anything. So, that I guess leads us into into WWE stuff as well. Um, I'm curious to hear your thoughts as to what you think it, uh, he's going to be like in that company. What is it going to be a heel face? You think they're going to push him like a main eventer? You think he's going to get squashed by Roman Reigns or Brock Lesnar? Uh, you think it's really going to work out? And so I'm I'm going to say yes, just because I'm being hopeful. Um, but I I can see it. Honestly, and, and part of me, and I don't know if I'm giving them maybe too much of the like benefit of the doubt or whatever, but I feel like Vince probably respects Cody so much more now and probably views him as like a, a grown ass, I'm sorry, grown man. Um, and he probably views him differently now because if you think back on it, Vince has like a weird love for people who are in different companies or start different companies, That's like with Eric point. Bischoff, right? Like if you think of all the crap that Eric Bischoff put Vince McMahon through, and what was it, a year and a half later, two years later, after everything folded, he was in WWE as the general manager and in a prominent role, you know, like say what you want. But I personally, like, I, I think it went very well. Like Eric Bischoff, like was a, in my opinion, was a very good, character in the general manager role because it was believable um especially with all the stuff he was don't quote but that's you know all that um a whole other story but with eric bischoff he brought jeff jarrett back like he's brought back so many people who have done so much more so and respected them you know like he i mean it, it's a weird thing right because like i feel like with vince like you almost have to leave prove yourself in a way or grow and then come back. And then there's like a different side of him or of yourself that is presented to Vince. So I think that he'll respect him more. Now, I don't know if it's going to last though. That would be my main concern. Like I can see Cody coming in and 
to me, and this is going to sound crazy, but what I would do is you have, first of all, he has to come in and be a main eventer. But to me, I feel like his first appearance, you kind of have to see how the fans are going to react. And I personally feel like WWE fans are going to just cheer him like he's like the second coming and just like view him as like like a a, a god almost. like. And I, I could be crazy, so please tell me if I am, but... I feel like they're going to fully embrace him and it's going to be this cool thing and it's going to have like this energy to it. And if I'm right, like you have to capitalize on that. And I feel like with the whole bloodline storyline and everything, you almost have it perfectly because Cody Rhodes has such a strong family lineage. And the first line in Cody's interest was uh, wrestling has more than one royal family, right? And so the whole, yeah, like we assume and it's intended to go against the McMahons, but you can kind of twist that and use that against the bloodline too, you know? And I just feel like there's so much you can get out of it now. I don't, I'm not going to sit here and say that he should be the one to beat Roman Reigns and like all hail Cody or anything, but I feel like if you're going to go through all this and I feel like with the type of businessman Cody probably is at this point, He's not going to literally leave everything that he had at AEW and the spot that he had at AEW and go back for anything less than the main event. But my main concern would be like, okay, like if are they going to really put the title on him? And if not, then what does he do after that? So that would be my main concern with him. But again, like I'm not even saying that I'm, I'm for all that, but that's what I feel like you have to do. Like just, just all the the stories and everything and just how Stone Cold Steve Austin was just rumored to come back at WrestleMania like the day or two before. And that's, that's not even like the main focus point right now. And and that's crazy, right? So I just feel like with everything and all the hype behind this, that you just got to capitalize on it at this point. Yeah, absolutely. I, I thought about that too. I mean, he like out Twitter Stone Cold Steve Austin, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's was, crazy. I, I, and good for him. And I'll be like power to him again. I, I just think, you know, Call me pessimistic, but I have no faith in WWE anymore. I think, yeah. I think I hear you, and, and in a great and like in a in a in another world where that company was not run by a seventy-something-year-old man with you know a a a different take on the world. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. And and people who actually cared about telling stories and a little bit of creative freedom where people didn't have to sound like robots and, and in a place where, you know, crowd reactions were real a hundred percent of the time and not this piped in stuff and whatever else. Like, yeah, this would be really awesome. Like, this is like your, this is like our version, you know, yours and my generation. I think I can say of like, uh, of Monday night wars, you know, of people jumping back and forth. Like it could be the first of many. I, I don't know. The, the problem for me is, is WWE, E or WWF at the time and uh and it today are two totally different products. I really just don't yeah. think they they care enough anymore. They are just a content company at this point. And I, I and that's why I'm on this podcast and I talk about the AEW show, not, you know, any of the other WWE shows of the week though. We have a bunch of great co-hosts that do cover all those shows, so you can definitely listen to them on the same feed. But um yeah, in in a dream world I'm with you. I like that the bloodline thing. I think you're right. I don't think he would sign unless it was a, a really good deal. I don't think he'd be leaving AEW. I think his pride is definitely hurt for sure. I think that might be a, yes. a thing. I think he's also living, you know, living it up right now, being the talk of the town. But, you know, this is just today. You know, wrestling news moves quickly. We're, we are on to the next thing really fast. So 
I'm with you. I don't think it's going to last. I think hopefully he gets that kind of like uh, 90 day clause or something. I think it was for Kenny Omega or, or the Young Bucks. or So they offered it to somebody like, if you don't like it here, you can leave in 90 days kind of thing. Uh, I assume <laughs> I assume he'll get something like that. If he's smart, he will. And then I guess the, the last question is, you know, does Brandy come with him? Or excuse me, Eden Styles? <laughs> oh, God. Um, I mean... I, like, before I read some stuff, I would have 100% said yes, but, like, I read, like, some reports that Brandy wasn't really interested in going to WWE, but I don't know, because also, like, there, before AEW was even a thing, like, when he was just, or he had just quit WWE, not released, but when he just went on the indie scene, there was, like, there was a whole bunch of people saying that he wouldn't sign with Impact Wrestling unless they agreed to have Brandy under contract as well. So I don't know if that's changed now that, you know, and they do have a family now, right? Like they have a child at home. So maybe she's content with staying at home right now or whatever. She doesn't want to go to WWE. I don't know. Like, I don't, maybe she's just not even interested. Maybe it just purely is a, a Cody fascination at this point. But I, I assume like when I first heard the news, like I would have said like, oh, a hundred percent. And to me, like it would make sense, right? Like, I feel like. I feel like Brandy is a good character and I feel like she is kind of they in my mind they're kind of like the Miz and Maurice like I just feel like she complements Cody so well and I feel like they're a good pairing and it just kind of amplifies him a little bit but maybe in Cody's case in in, in comparison to the Miz like the Miz I in my opinion needs Maurice a little bit more than Cody needs Brandy so she's I guess not a necessity um but I just feel like especially debuting and well I guess returning um it would be more impactful and a bigger deal if they both show up and whether she stays after that, you know, is, is different. But I feel like initially she should at least debut with him just to kind of emphasize it more. And that's the thing too. Like what direction are they going to go with this? And is it going to be like, like in, in what you mentioned with the promo too, like, and this is why it's kind of fascinating to me. Like if he does in fact end up signing with WWE, like what is his first promo going to sound like? Is it going to be just, exactly what he's feeling or is it going to be scripted like because it's a completely different company right like AEW you had your freedom to literally almost do exactly what you want like besides a few bullet points that you need to get over but and uh, Cody knows the system right like he literally grew up in the system so this isn't going to be anything new to him but I wonder like what it's going to sound like because we all at this point will be able to tell how scripted it is you know what i mean or, or how much of it is truly from cody so i don't know i feel like initially brandy should at least be there but what what about you and and what do you think like what direction do you think he's gonna go in when if if and when he does debut i think i i love your Ms. and Maurice comparison i think that, that's the same yeah. i think i think that they are a better act together than they are separately absolutely um i think as a heel and uh, you know, as a, as a heel group or a heel pair, they're way better. I don't. I think uh, there's something about Brandy Rhodes that makes you want to boo her, man. I don't know what yeah. it is. It's again, don't get me wrong. And that's there's nothing wrong with that at all. I say, you know, my favorite wrestler in the world, Charlotte Flair, right? You just you I, you just want to boo her. There's something about her that makes you want to boo her, and I think that's great. Um, and and you should run with that if you have that quality, absolutely. So. Yeah, I think I think it would be great. I don't think she's gonna go. You bring up a good point. Maybe, maybe he is going to do the Shinsuke Nakamura thing, 
and maybe, you know, he's got the kid, or maybe he's doing the Brock Lesnar schedule, and so he could do a lot less dates than he was going to do with AEW, maybe that's Or the even, plan. like, an Edge schedule, you know? Like, exactly. Edge is, is a little bit more part-timer than Brock, um, or full-timer than Brock, but obviously not full-time, so even something like that. Yes, yeah, so I mean, even a Randy Orton kind of deal. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think, uh, I, I just don't, I didn't, I thought if Cody Rhodes was going to be done in wrestling, he was going to go into politics. Yeah. Um, and so and I that's don't... why I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but that's why, like, at first I was like, well, if he's leaving AEW, he's probably going to do his politics thing, because that was always very important to him, or, or branch out into Hollywood and try to really focus on that, like, but then, of course, when the whole WWE thing took off, like, I, I was obviously shocked by that, but... I, to me, like, I don't know. I don't know. How quickly do you think, um, and I know this isn't going to be all that Cody, but I guess last question from me to you about this. How long do you think, like, he would even sign with WWE? And, and how soon do you think he would, would join them? Do you think it's, like, within the next couple of weeks or is it, like, after Mania season type thing? Like, yes is my answer to that question. <laughs> because I think, um, I think, I think, he could go, he could be there, what's today, Thursday? He could be there tomorrow yeah. night. He's probably going to yeah. debut on Fox. That's probably what's going to happen. Um, I wouldn't believe any of these things if that we see online if the, a lot of the sources hadn't been so reputable and correct in right. the past. Right. But yeah, he probably, I mean, he could debut, I don't, You. I, here's the thing, is I, I would say I don't see him going to Saudi Arabia, right, because I want to think better of him. Yeah. I do, let's just call it spades, but right, I want to think better of Cody, but, I mean, he wanted more money, right? You get fifteen million dollars, or what do they make a show there? Like I would go. I don't get. You know what I mean? If I were Cody Rhodes, that's I a would nice go. chunk right there, right off the bat. Exactly. Uh, just the thing you're missing though there is is you're not going to get the pop from that at all. Yeah. Saudi Arabia crowd. I have a feeling is probably. And I could be wrong. There could be like AEW fanatics out there, but like I, I have a feeling it's not going to be nearly as familiar with Cody Rhodes. It's like why is that guy? Uh, why is Ted DiBiase's partner? you know, debuting. Uh, so yeah. I, I assume maybe he signs for a, a couple year deal, a couple years, two, three years. And I assume he also gets that uh 90 day clause or a 60 day clause, whatever it is that, you know, he can leave if he's un unhappy. I really think though, this is like a notch on Vince McMahon's belt. I think he's going to be happy. He signed him, you know, and uh, maybe he lasts a year and a half, Cody Rhodes. And, you know, I'm going to call Maybe they release him in a certain amount of time. Like, I don't put anything past this company at this point, you know. So yeah. as exciting as it is for a lot of people and, and, and for people who are fans of WWE, you know, I, I, I power to you. And this is super awesome. And, I, and I'm, I'm happy for you, too. I just don't. I mean, I'll I'll watch it. I'll give you that. But then, like, how how long is this gonna last? You know, uh, exactly. WWE just has a really it does a really good job of making you just feel like another face among a bunch of other faces. You know, just another bozo on the bus, not not special. And so, uh, uh, I guess I don't I don't know. What do you think? I'll, I'll throw your questions back at you. What do you think? How long do you think he's gonna sign for? I don't, I don't, I, if, if they, if they don't pump in reactions, Ashley, I feel like he'd get booed. Do you? Like, on his, you... on his first return? Go think about it. You're an AEW yeah. fan, right? Uh, you're an AEW, uh, WWE fan, which I assume most people who are listening to this podcast are, right? Cause you're on the right. WWE podcast listening to an AEW podcast. So that would make <laughs> right. sense. Um, right. you are an AEW fan. 
Cody Rhodes is somebody who is a giant factor in creating a new brand for you to be able to watch an alternative to WWE. And he said all this stuff about how, you know, WWE is crap, this, this, and that, right? This is the, you know, there's a new royal family, there's more, whatever, whatever you want to say. There was the whole throne thing, we all know. And he, he's not, I'm not saying he's bashed the people, but the, the system, right? And now he's back in the system. Completely disregarding right. anything he said before, right? Because he's not going to change it. There's nobody is going to change that system. Uh, if the man at the top is still the man at the top, no one's changing that system. I'd I'd be why would I be cheering this guy? He's a hypocrite, right? Or or if there's a better word for it. And then if I'm a WWE fan, and I'm like one of these crazy people who you know thinks AEW is like Satan's circle, or I don't know what the heck goes on in their guys' heads. But mm-hmm. like if I'm that person, right? I'm gonna boo Cody Rhodes because he's from AEW. Like I just don't see, and then if mm-hmm. I am an AEW fan and I'm not mad at Cody Rhodes for leaving, right? I'm I'm like I'm with him. Good, go get your money, Cody. Whatever. He was kind of a, a you know what in uh in AEW before he left. So I'm just going based off what I have, you know. I, I definitely think there'll be a pop, but like I give him a week or two, I'd be booing him, and 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 I guess it all really depends on who you put him against. So that's that's the logical perspective. The thing is though, is I just I've gave, given up on logic in WWE, so. But um, let me throw it over to you. What are you, what are you thinking? And there was, what, there was something else I wanted to ask you about it. But what are you thinking about um timeline for him as well? So I feel like with, especially with the card, if this was before the Royal Rumble, then uh, my opinion would be completely different. But since we're already past the Rumble, we're, what, Elimination Chamber is what, this Saturday? Yeah, so WrestleMania is less than two months away. I feel like, and and that's the thing, because with how hot the news is now, like, Part of me would get they like and and that's a, another thing too. Like, do you like hype up his appearance? Like, hype up like there's going to be like a there's like a big announcement or a big surprise or whatever, or do you just have it literally be a surprise? Um, so to me, like, it would make sense if like within like the last three weeks uh, build to WrestleMania, maybe you have him like show up on like a random Friday night or like the last two Fridays. Uh, make his appearance, let everyone know he's there. Maybe he has like, and, and that's the thing too. Like it's, it depends on how big of a deal they view him. Cause I feel like you, you almost have to, even if it doesn't, if it's not going to work or the fans like crap on it almost right off the bat, you have to make it seem like it's a big, a big deal. You have to put that feeling and that presence out there that yes, it's a big deal regardless if it really is or not, or if it's really going to work long-term you have to at least put that out there and and put that narrative out there and just see how it goes, you know, and and milk as much out of it as you can because obviously he's going to be getting paid millions. This is a a huge deal depending on how – if he does end up signing. But at this point, you just have to kind of assume that he is. But he was was an EVP guy. Like it was – it wasn't just a a main event wrestler. Like he was an executive in the company. So – that's why I feel like you just have to make it a, a big deal. But I could see them having him show up on, like I said, one of those last two Fridays before WrestleMania. And then that way, because I guess I, early prediction, at, at this point I feel like Roman Reigns is going to retain a mania. So you have him maybe show up on SmackDown, say whatever, and then he can have his return promo. And then the following week you have that angle right there to kind of, lead you into SummerSlam and, and the 
next, what, six months or so. So that's, to me, in my brain, like the perfect world for him, or maybe not perfect, but like the ideal setting and framing of him. But like you said, too, I would not be shocked if he gets in there. It's a big deal the first night, the first two weeks maybe, and then he's just another person and he's out there with your Austin theories and, and Damian Priest out there and AJ Styles and, and all that. And it's mm-hmm. it's it sucks to say, but, you know, like it, it, it could go south really quick. But part of me, like I guess the optimistic part of me is, is being hopeful that they recognize this what a big deal this is and they know that they don't have many stars so they kind of have to force him to be a big star even if he isn't perceived that way right off the bat so ideally i think that you could save up or even for the the monday the raw after mania right like that was always a big deal so you can have him debut there and that's where your most hardcore fans are going to be because i would love to see that reaction because like you said that's going to be a nice mixture of and probably predominantly like your your AEW fans as well so I would love to see the reaction that first raw literally pun intended uh reaction for him on that night so I think that would be cool and fun but you know like you said who the hell knows like this could go sour right off the bat too yeah absolutely and I and I have a lot of hope like still somewhere in me I have so I hope that like something's gonna change and this could be you know who knows like here's the other thought and I'll, I'll give you uh just Two, two more questions for you about this, and then we'll c- talk about this last night's show. Um, uh, the first one being, you know, does he does he bring anybody else? And I I don't mean it exactly like that, but does he go to WWE, end up happy there, and say, oh, you know, pick up his phone, hey, how you doing? You know, I don't know, Britt Baker, probably not Britt Baker, right? That's never <laughs> happening. Let's let's you and I hope on that one, right? But hey, yeah. I, not, um, who's some of the even. I'm like thinking of names, and as I'm about to say, I'm like, no, don't do that. Don't, don't even say that out loud. Don't put that into the universe. Fine. Um, but like your young bucks, or like a, maybe a Kenny Omega, like some someone like that. I don't like, know about that. Apparently, there's this big falling out, so I don't know about necessarily the giant. I don't. I don't. I could never. Oh, yeah, I could true. never see it. I, I'd be blown away if that. And the young bucks seem much happier. Maybe. You know, Ricky Starks or um, Dante Martin or uh, an MJF. Even an MJF, yeah. Hey, look, look what I did. I'm over here. I'm do. I'm happy. I'm whatever. Like, come check it out. Wouldn't that be some crap if he was sitting here, literally on AEW TV, saying, "Oh, like it's gonna be the bidding war of all wars," and he ends up going over there, like after all the like the innuendos, like that would just be something else. Yeah, it's uh, the only person, the only person in my heart of hearts I could tell you would not go to WWE at this point, right? I I would like to think Britt Baker and, and the Elite as well, but um, it's CM Punk. You're probably never getting CM Punk back in WWE. I, I could never. I don't think he. I said it on the CM Punk on the podcast we did with uh, Zach and Matt a while ago, talking about when he debuted. I was like, that's never the Hall of Fame. Not gonna happen. None of that's ever gonna. I don't. I don't think so. I don't know. I don't know. Well, you really think he's going? I I think he would care less about a <laughs> Hall of Fame thing at this point with WWE, but maybe for the bag, oh, yeah. who knows? I don't. I don't. I don't think he really cares about the Hall of Fame, or maybe he cares, but he that wouldn't be. I I, I could see him for a short run though. Is is what I'm saying? Like I wouldn't be surprised because before AEW was even a thing, like he did the backstage thing, and yeah, he he was just signed to to Fox, but he was still talking about WWE program. Like he was still getting back into was, the you know. You know, I don't. I, he was pooping on it, for lack of a better yeah. term. Yeah. Well, yeah, but I, I don't know. Like, part of me, like, I, I don't think of. Yes, it would be crazy, but part of me, and maybe I am crazy, but I, I could see it. 
I could see, and not like a long run, maybe just like a, a quick mania match or something, but I don't know. Listen, Cody Rhodes is supposedly going over to WWE, so you never know. Okay, last question right. on this, and then we'll move on, but um, I guess... It's two different questions, but I'll put it. I'll, who would you, who would you like to see besides the obvious of the Roman Reigns story, right? Who would you like to see him face, and or who do you think he's actually? Who do you think is going to be his first opponent? Ooh, you know, I haven't even oddly enough put much thought into it besides the Roman Reigns thing. Um, because there's no other stuff. And that's on that the thing too. Roman Reigns, that's yeah. the thing too. It's like. Who does he really go against? I mean, of course, like wrestling match wise, like you'd love to see like your AJ Styles is in, and even I could see him feuding with Seth Rollins after a Roman Reigns type, because um, I feel like obviously he can play off of the Mox references and stuff like that and the history there. But I, and that's the that's the thing. I mean, it's like they they have fired so many people. Like, if this was a year ago, it'd be a completely different story. But now he's very limited. And that's another reason why, too. Like, it's just, it's a very odd decision. And his feelings must have been hurt very badly for him to to leave all of that. And, and even, like, contemplate going back to WWE because, like, it's as optimistic as I am trying to be. Like, you, I, after six, eight months, like, who is he going to feud against? Because mm-hmm. they don't, like you said, like, they don't care to, to build stars. They rely on your your part-time regulars. But you, I, I will not sit here and say that I can picture a match between Cody Rhodes and Brock Lesnar. Like, I don't, I don't, I can't picture that. I don't even know what they would be fighting over. Like, I don't, I don't even know if I'd be, I don't know. Like, I may be, like, mildly intrigued, but it's just, who do you really have? And, like, it's, it's not going to be Goldberg. And then, I don't know. I don't know. And it's not like I'm even, like, crapping on, like, the roster they have. It's just they haven't built them up as stars. Because I, you know, would love to see a Cody Rhodes in, like, a Riddle match, a Matt Riddle. I feel like that would be a a pretty good match. But I don't know. Like like you said, like, there's just such a a lack of depth in the roster. You're so limited. I don't know. And it's sad, dude. It's really sad. Yeah, absolutely. If you think about the people like your Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar, I'd watch that match, um, but only to see if it's a squash match. Uh, Goldberg, well, yeah, of course. Exactly. Cody Rhodes versus Goldberg, Saudi Arabia. Next Saudi Arabia pay per view. <laughs> I'm calling it. Um, oh gosh. I think I think you hit the nail on the head. I think it's going to be Seth Rollins if he if he's. I assume he comes before WrestleMania because WWE plans for WrestleMania and then they just see what happens after that, right? Um, I think you get Seth Rollins at WrestleMania. Uh, if Kevin Owens is supposed to wrestle Stone Cold, if this is, if this is, if 2022 is what it is somehow, some way, oh right? Gosh. And Stone Cold is supposed to wrestle Kevin Owens, and I assume we get Seth Rollins versus, uh, versus, um, Cody Rhodes, and they scrap whatever. Even if Kevin Owens is not supposed to wrestle, um, uh, uh, Stone Cold, I assume we still get Seth Rollins versus Cody Rhodes at WrestleMania. The other match, and you know what? Call me crazy. I'm a Miz apologist. <laughs> I don't care about the match, right? I don't. It's like it's gonna be as interesting to me as like a Damian Priest versus Cody Rhodes. I don't care, right? But like, I want to see Cody Rhodes versus the Miz. I do. I I think the Miz is a lot better than people give him credit for. I oh think yeah. He's a hard a hard work. He's had to put up with a lot of stuff, and and he does the best. The Miz works with what he's got, you know. Uh, whether that be creatively or just athletically or all that stuff, um, and then you know I, I I don't I'm sorry Zach I don't care about NXT 2.0 but um, Tommaso Ciampa 
versus Cody Rhodes would be another yeah. awesome match, I think. Uh, I don't think we're ever going to see it, but you want to throw back to the Wednesday Night Wars. Other than that, I mean, I don't, I'm not a, um, what's his name? Oh, I can't remember his name. Pete, Pete Dunn. It's not for me. Um, he's also like my age, which scares me, but Pete Dunn's not for me. Um, oh, wow. So, so I think the only match from NXT, the only person left in NXT that I'd actually be interested, besides Cameron Grimes, of course, would be interested in um, seeing him face is probably Tommaso Ciampa. But again, I think it's going to be Seth Rollins, like you said, and then I think you're getting a feud with The Miz, and then probably that you know will be like twelve well, months later, the right? The downfall, and 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 that's like that would be what about eight months a year into his run, maybe if that like long, a, and that'll be the downfall. A good match with Damian Priest seven times on Raw, I like you oh, know. Yeah. I hate to I hate to be that person. I just, I don't, and you know what? Prove me wrong. Right? Like, please yeah. put me wrong. Because it just means better entertainment for me. I'll take it. You're not, like, sticking it to me. You know what I mean? Right. All right. Yeah, it's, it's wild. Let's get into the show because we've been, we, 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 we hacked it out. I, of course, everybody on Twitter, too, you can follow her, Ashley Man, Man, Mans. Do you have an S on the end of there? Yeah, it's at Ash Mans, yeah. Right, I but, couldn't do Ash Man, so I just yeah, had to throw you, you an S on there. You made yourself plural. I love that. Yeah. And then at Mimi Burris. Yeah, I'm curious to hear everybody else's thoughts on all this, too. You know, obviously Twitter exploded, but I always feel like a day or two later is kind of when um, you hear a little bit more. And I'm curious to see what else is going to come out about this. I think the man's butt hurt and took his ball and went home, and he's going to be happy, unhappy in three months, and then he's going to go have to sit on his millions of dollars in Atlanta, Georgia, and, like, you know, With his uh, bus. do his Go Big show and whatever. Yeah. I don't hang out with Snoop Dogg, maybe. Who knows? And Shaq. Yeah. Maybe he'll find I Shaq. Just, maybe. Maybe he'll finally fight him. I just, and I don't feel like he's going to be happy long term. Like, that's, that's, and I hate to say that. And I hope I'm, again, I hope I'm terribly wrong with that. But I feel like this was like a knee jerk reaction. And I just, I don't know. Like, yes, like you said, kudos to him. Like, get your money, dude. Like, get it while you can. But, and I'm sure they're, WWE just made a billion dollars last year. Like, they're just throwing out money. Like, they don't care right now. So, time-wise, it, it probably makes sense. But, like, emotionally, like, I just, I don't feel like he's going to be happy there. I feel like he's going to realize he made a mistake. And that sucks, you know? Like, I'm not hoping that I'm right. I hope I'm completely wrong and he's the happiest he's ever been. He's whatever, you know? But, yeah, I just, I have a bad feeling. Long-term. First year, probably okay, but after that, in the years, even pushing it. Yeah, you I was going to say, you're being generous. To, uh, for yeah. Me. You, oh, you know what? I figured it out, actually. This is what's going to happen. He's going to debut in Saudi Arabia. Uh, he's going to... You know what? Oh, that reminded me, actually, in all seriousness. Drew McIntyre. I'd like to see that match. I would like to see oh, that yeah. match. Oh, yeah. That'd be um, a good story, too. It's, you know, throw Baron the Happy Corbin story or whatever out in the bin. I don't think anybody's going to care about that. But um, And get, you could do that at WrestleMania, too. I think it's going to be Seth Rollins, though. But uh, Seth Rollins is a WWE guy through and through. But I could see uh, uh, Saudi Arabia. We got Goldberg versus Roman, Re- Roman Reigns, right? And then uh, you hear the lights. All the lights go dark. And uh, up on top of the ramp, there he is, Cody Rhodes. But he's the fiend. Oh, my God. And he's holding a lily doll. Oh and then God. And then he pops out in the chamber with Alexa Bliss. And he's the surprise entrant. Did they already announce he has a surprise entrant? You keep up better um, than I do. For the women's chamber? Yep. Yeah, yeah, it's Alexa Bliss. You know what? I don't know. I think it's a red herring. It's going to be the fiend Cody Rhodes. Um, that's that's my prediction, guys. I'm calling it now. I know. I like the I like the higher bets, So, but I, I see it happening. Oh, God. Maybe he'll debut in that box. Well, I mean, anything that debuts in a box gets over, so. 
Exactly. <laughs> Pull a sting, a sting and Alexa Bliss, who did it better, yeah. the debut in the box. All right, <laughs> let's get started on this show. So this show uh, starts off with another promo. Again, they're doing, they're, I think AEW is a little like experimenting with this sports entertainment. I hate to call it that, but I don't know another way to put it. Um, but a little bit more sports entertainment-y formula with the show. You know, we've, we are not gone the days are the first opening match, but they're definitely changing things up. And, and, and I, I applaud the efforts to like spice it up. I'm all for, you know, a little change here and there and experimenting. It keeps it so things aren't stale and you figure out more stuff that works. But, um, Mm -hmm. we opened up no CM Punk entrance, sadly, but, uh, I'm sure you can watch that on YouTube. That'd be so weird with that stuff. Um, and we opened up with, uh, CM Punk sitting crisscross applesauce spoons in the bowl front of the, uh, in the middle of the ring. And he talks about, uh, his match with MJF is now going to be a dog collar match. Some, Awesome lines in here. Will you be my Valentine with the and the throwback to Roddy Piper? It was like a it was a S and M kind of looking dog collar. I'm not gonna lie. This was a little bit yeah. it was a little bit spicy. Uh, <laughs> and then obviously calling out MJF because he says he wants to speak to him eye to eye. And MJF is speechless. Uh, he holds up CM Punk holds up that picture that like legendary photo. Right. I want um, Bailey and John Cena to feud now. Because I don't know if you've ever seen that yes. photo. I just want <laughs> yes. them to do it off. Every wrestler, young wrestler, has ever taken a photo with another older wrestler. Um, but he shows that photo and says uh, another great line about how it's gonna. that was the best night of his life or day of his life. This is going to be the worst day of his life. Uh, like a bloodstained canvas. And um, and yeah, we're doing the dog collar match at uh, Revolution. And see, uh, MJF, like I said, speechless, walks out, has nothing to say. Uh I'm going to throw it right over to you first, Ashley. What, what did you think about the opening segment? What are you thinking about the uh, two-question, two-fold question? Am I wrong about this little sports entertainment lately? Like, we're changing no. up the script. I love it. I Because I feel like the way they are doing it, and for whatever reason, like, I just really enjoyed last night's episode. Like, I feel like the whole two hours was just really enjoyable. And I, I don't really know why, because, I mean, we've had bigger shows recently, but this one, for whatever reason, just stood out. And two promos, and I'm not going to jump ahead but I'll, I'll just stay on CM Punk right now but to me my two of my favorite moments from last night were two promo segments and the first one was with Punk and I loved how they started the show with him already sitting in the ring and, and I of course love seeing the entrance but it was a, a cool change right and it was it saved some time too I'm, I'm sure in the show but it was it was a nice change to have him sitting in the ring like you said crisscross episodes and the way he started, I, I this was probably one of my favorite punk promos since he's been back. Um, maybe even like top three because the way he started off, he it was a callback to his old original CM Punk character, right? The straight edge and everything. And just the way he laid out the entire story and the entire idea and concept of, of and build to, of, of course, the reveal of it being the dog collar match. And, like you said, with him asking MJF to be his Valentine with the callback of Roddy Piper and Greg Valentine's match, I think it was Starcast '83. I think Starcade. Um, Starcade, yeah, Starcast at all. Starcast. Starcast. That's pretty good. No, I think it's '83. But um, like people don't know that you know, and that, that that's for the nerd, right? Like that's for the wrestling yeah, nerd. The yeah. kinky dog collar is for all the other people watching. 
Right, right, right. But yeah, like I just loved all the throwbacks. And even if you didn't know that it was referencing anything else, like it, it still made sense with Valentine's Day being so soon or so recent and everything. So I just loved like everything about the promo. And like you said, the way he ended it with the picture, it was just perfect. It, it looked like it was like the original picture, too, which made it even better. Um, yeah, I don't know what just, they and, did with that. Yeah, yeah but even with, with MJF, like this was one of my favorite MJF moments, too. Like, the way his facial reactions and the way he came out there and just stood there and you can tell that he was really just immersed in and just digesting and really thinking about everything that Punk just said and laid out and like, oh crap, like we're really going to be in, in one of the like most brutal matches out there. Um, and it's a complete different style for MJF. So him not saying anything and dropping the mic and, and walking to the back, I think was perfect. Yeah, I mean, M- MJF can act. Him yeah. and Wardlow, right? It's the facial expressions. Like, we know, I think this was, like, the cool part about this whole thing. And CM Punk, I won't, I won't, you know, repeat, you You covered it all, right? Really, really just, what's new? CM Punk's good on the mic, you know what I mean? And is thoughtful and thinks through these details. And obviously this has been a long, like, little teases throughout, you know, until now. Like, long-awaited details and, and reveal as to what this was going to Because we all, we had a feeling this was leading to revolution, right? Um, but MJF... Like, who not only is going against another person who's probably one of the greatest on the microphone, right? But, like, says the most by not saying anything in this promo. This is one of, like, this is, I'm just saying this be pedantic. But, like, this was one of my favorite MJF promos of all time. And he didn't say a word. It yeah. it had so much more impact. I thought it was such a, such a, like, M- AEW does this thing where, like, you and I could sit on the, you know, on over, over microphones and talk about for, like, two hours, dream booking something, dream booking something. And AEW will come up with, like, we'll give option A, B, C, D, E, F, G, you know, H, I, and then they'll come up with option J. Like, uh, I hope I did the alphabet right there. But nobody <laughs> nobody fact check me. She said StarCast. So, yeah, um, exactly. But, <laughs> like, we, <laughs> but we, AEW does this. Like, I would have never, I would have expected MJF to, you know, maybe Wardlow comes out and hits him. Or I don't know, right? But, like, MJF to not say a word. Like, what a powerful choice. And I really thought put over... Like, the danger of this match. Because realistically, to me, I think it's kind of silly. I like that they're both old. This is like a very old-school professional wrestling-like storyline. Good guy, bad guy, right? Bad guy cheats to win. Bad guy runs away. Good guy eventually, hopefully, gets his vengeance. Probably loses one or two matches, and then bad guy gets the, you know. And this is early predictions, but let's say CM Punk does win at Revolution. Then you've still got the third match. You don't have to do it yet. You know what I mean? But uh, way down the line, if you want to, you could still do, you know, the uh, the tiebreaker. So, I don't know, just just really a brilliant segment. And But the one thing I don't get, and the one complaint I'll have is, he talked about a steel cage a bunch, but he was like, oh, but Wardlow could probably still get through a steel cage, right? Yes, we like smart baby faces. Like, that's good. Like, you know, the same old wrestling tropes of, like, I don't know, WWE has just ruined the steel cage match for me. But, uh, yeah. but... Why why does a dog collar stop Wardlow from interfering? You're listening to the WWE Podcast. We'll be right back after this short break. What is the construction life? It's a 5 a.m. wake up, workout, shower, prepare lunch, send off the family, hop into the work truck, call the crews and suppliers, arrive on site, organize, prep, build, have fun, wrap up, 
end the day on a high note, head home, spend time with your family, prep for the next day, turn in, sleep, wake up, and do it all over again because you love what you do every single day of the construction life. Good enough will never be good enough for us. Check out the most listened to construction podcast online in 13 different podcast channels and listen to 61 countries around the world. Listen to conversations from real tradespeople, suppliers, sales reps, and clients sharing real stories about real job sites and real on-site experiences. If you are young and getting started in the industry, been in the business for decades, there is always something new to learn, and the guests and hosts of this popular construction podcast will never sugarcoat anything, especially the hard truth about construction. Check out The Construction Life. You can find it really anywhere, but Apple Podcasts is probably your best bet. It's called The Construction Life. Welcome back to the WWE Podcast. Let's get back to more great wrestling audio. I mean, Wardlow can still physically, if anything, it's it's obviously easier to get the punk. He can still go right to punk and do whatever. And he can take the collar off of, of NJF at any time, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So, yes, I, I appreciate the the obvious of, of calling out the obvious with the steel cage thing. But, yeah, like, I would have liked him to say, like, you know, like, oh, and by the way, like, all your minions are, like, banned from ringside or whatever, you know, like, per Tony Khan, like, you know, something like that, just addressing that, so it is just, you know, you, you since you brought it up, like, oh, by the way, like, we're making sure we're taking yeah, care of it Yeah, if you're gonna completely. bring it up, you gotta yeah. cover all your bases kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So funny for, like, two guys who are so detailed throughout this. This has been, it's weird, my favorite feud of 2022, without a doubt, but this is, like, gotta be top one, two, three, maybe, favorite feuds in um in AEW of all time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and speaking of all time, this opening match was one of my favorite opening matches of Dynamite of all time. Lee Moriarty yeah. versus Brian Danielson. They were in such a tough position with this because I don't know about you, like the wrestling fan of me wants to watch these guys wrestle for like an hour. But you also can't, uh, you can't undermine Brian Danielson by letting, like, I don't know. I thought the Lee Moriarty versus CM Punk match wasn't great. I thought it made CM Punk look really weak. Uh, and, uh, especially coming off, like, when he wrestled against Eddie Kingston, I thought he looked awesome, but I think, I, I think the guys were both lost, and, and, and CM Punk just looked like he was out of his element, right? Brian Danielson, this looked incredible in this match, and the story in this match was incredible. Um, I'll, I'll throw it over to you first again before we get into it, but the, I'll just mention that, that spot where they were on their heads and, like, punching each other in the ribs. Yeah. And just... I'll throw it. I'll throw it over to you first because I have so much to nerd out about this match. Yeah, no, like I, I actually have to. I want to go back and rewatch it because I was just getting home. This match started, so I missed like the first five ish, six minutes. So you would probably be better at breaking it down. But the the ending that I saw, it. I love this version of Brian Danielson. I'm just. I'm gonna it's say incredible. that. And yeah, and. We all knew if you were a longtime fan of his prior to WWE, like you always knew, like you knew the American Dragon version of, of Brian Danielson, right? And Daniel Bryan and WWE was was good as well, and and still one of the best in the world. But this version of him, like I feel like this is the best version of either Daniel Bryan or Brian Danielson that we've probably ever seen. And I love the the fact that it was a wrestling match, like it's it 
the match itself was just chain wrestling and it was it was so great and how stiff it was like it was i i don't know i was just kind of blown away by it and like you said it was a, a very good comparison like this was probably my favorite lee moriarty match in aew um oh yeah and like it and i just hope that whatever ends up happening with Brian Danielson and Moxley on screen. Like, I, I hope that Lee is one of the guys that, that Brian kind of helps and coaches. Cause I don't know if you saw, like, apparently, uh, Brian is, has been training Jade Cargill as well. So thinking and just knowing that he's helping other talent, like, it's, it's, it's exciting. So this match, it was just from the, the parts that I saw, like, I, it's Brian Danielson, man. And it's amazing to think that he just went through a, a feud with the, the world heavyweight champion, you know, Hangman Adam Page, and he lost that feud, and now he's not really focusing on a title, but he still feels like a big deal. So that presence and star power, I feel like this was such a, a good acquisition of, of for AEW and Brian Danielson because of just all the different things that he, he would bring to the company itself. But, man, like, dude is just on another level right now. Yeah, I, I, I'm 100% in agreement. I think this is the best run of his career. Uh, and, and, you know, starting off with that, you know, I'll be a little biased, but that, that 30 minute grand slam match, right. That was incredible with yeah. Kenny Omega, but there was a spot in this match where, uh, Lee Moriarty's ankles were on the rope, uh, similar to like a draping DDT kind of thing, but like, it looked a lot the way Brian Danielson is, is, is such a good professional wrestler. You can't even articulate how he's such a good professional wrestler. I, I don't know how else to put it. It almost that. doesn't make sense, like how good he is. It's so hard to put into words, yeah. but it's a feeling you get. Like, because this yeah. man, right? Like, let's see. Brian Danielson is, I think he's 40 something, right? He's, Probably. Yeah. yeah, I'm supposed to. 44 is my guess. How tall? How old is he? He's 40 years old. Okay. And he's 5'10, right? So, <laughs> real, realistically, the guy is four inches taller than me. He's, like, not a big dude in, in wrestling standards, right? And, uh, and he's not a big muscle, like, he's not super muscular either. Like, don't get me wrong, the guy's in shape, but he's, like, and he's, he's not the big steak eating, he's not the butcher or the blade, right? Right. But he's, he's, so he's your vegan 5'10", 40-year-old man. Just throw that out there. I am <laughs> terrified of Brian Danielson. Terrified. His violence, the vi streak of violence is so unique. It's not like this, not to throw him under the bus, but, like, it's not surface level like Lance Archer. Like, I'm going to hit you with stuff. Like, no, nah, it's like, I'm I'm a big guy who's going to throw you off stuff. It's so, it's not even necessarily, like, intricate. It's just, I can't even think of the word, harsh, brutal. Like, it's it's just in-your-face, smash-mouth, but also really beautiful and poetic all at the same time and so that when uh, lee moriarty's ankles are like draped on the rope he's like oh he's gonna go for a ddt or something right he just knees him right in the side of the head and it looks like you know he cracked his head open like concussion there on the spot like it's just it's like animalistic in a way but mm -hmm. it's all it's like it's as if you gave like a like a tiger like a human brain I don't, that's the best way I can put it. Like, it's animalistic violence, but it's so calculated so perfectly. He's almost like a robot, maybe. And and, and, uh, and it's so fun to watch. Uh, like you said, I think this is the best run of his career. And uh, and we'll get into the post-match part. But the part where they're on, they're, so you miss the spot. They're on, you have to go back and watch this. They're on their heads. I won't spoil it for you, but they're on, um, they're on, they're both on like a headstand thing, but their legs are intertwined. 
and they're like punching each other. I can't explain it. It's one of the most incredible spots and it and it all feels so organic. Like that's no pun intended with Brian Danielson. But uh it's just something about um something about the way that this guy he just has such a knack for this. It's like he was born mm. to be he really is the greatest professional wrestler in the world right now, without a doubt. He really is. Yeah, he, and, and like you were gonna say, like he he really is and was born to do this and it's just it's so refreshing because even as a bad guy you know you still that look in his face like you still see how much he loves this and how much he wants to be doing this because he doesn't first of all he doesn't have to be doing this because i'm sure the type of guy brian danielson is i'm sure he saved so much money like he could probably live three lifetimes to be fine um but like he just and medically of course as well like he he doesn't have to be doing this and it's just so that's another i think i i just speak for myself but for like me personally like i that's another reason why i always loved watching him perform and even more so now in AEW because you can tell he's having fun and he wants to be there and he loves what he does so it's just a, another layer in my opinion that that just kind of makes you invested in him and whatever he's doing it's a good guy or bad guy yeah, it's fun to watch a guy enjoy what he does. It's just like, if you're a good person, you like to watch other people be happy most of it, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's cool to see that light back in his eye. Exactly. Uh, obviously, the ending of the match, Brian Danielson doing what Brian Danielson does best. Um, hits him with the running knee. Busaiko? Bu- I'm not even going to try. Um, and then, won't pin him. Nope, because he is he is the definition of a prick. Um, and he goes, and probably a much worse word, but I'm just not, I'm not, I'm not going to go through it. Um, he, uh, does the stomps of the face, which by the way, to me, like added, they looked brutal, specifically in this match. They looked awful. And then, uh, puts him in a triangle sleeper and does the, uh, big strong man pose just in a way that only, he's like, the thing about him is he's kind of a dork too. Yeah. So, like, you don't take him as this big, muscly, scary guy. So you almost like, I just like I hate him. He's like, you shouldn't, shouldn't be able to do that. Not the way you are. You're like, he's such a, he's so good at being the little man. I always bring it back to that Survivor Series match against Brock Lesnar. Yeah. Being the little oh, man, such a classic. Exactly, and making the big man look like the one who should be running scared. He makes Brock Lesnar look as high as Brock Lesnar's pitched voice is. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. No, no. I, I'll, again, I'm. Don't get me wrong. I love big banter, Brock, right now. But like, he makes him look like like a little. He just he plays like a giant in a movie. He just has no. Brian Danielson has no right. Um, and speaking of having no right, the next segment of the after the match, obviously, he uh, gets on the microphone, says he wants an answer from John Moxley. We hear the music. John Moxley comes uh, through the ring through the crowd as always, and uh, Moxley says that just so beautifully. He says he talks about. Um, a match they had way back in the Indies, and and how Brian Danielson's plane was late, but he still came to the came to the match. I just picture Brian Danielson like he just comes in his gear, says, "All right, let's just like get this over with." Like he just gets joy out of being, you know, beating up some random like indie kid, and then just leaving and going on to the next show. Uh, like you said, he doesn't need to be doing that. He just genuinely enjoys violence and hurting people. Like obviously in kayfabe, but yeah. um. And then uh, Moxley says that he he couldn't think of a good reason to say no to Brian Danielson's offer. So he's not saying no, but he's not saying yes. Uh, or he's not saying yes, but he's not saying no. And then he says that uh, he's going to leave it up to Brian Danielson. And he says, I, uh, I don't stand side by side with anybody until I bleed with them first. 
What a line. Referring yes. back to Eddie Kingston, Darby Allen, any any John Moxley has been ace since the beginning of his is uh uh since he entered AEW, but like on point he is stuck with this. You John Moxley doesn't have any friends unless he's like gone through barbed wire with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and that last line I just when I heard that, like it gave me chills. I was like, Oh, okay. And it and again, it just makes it's that's who he is. Like, you know, like we we know that he truly believes that and we know that because we've seen it, like you said, with with the friends that he had, he's or has, he's gone through wars with them. So see hearing that and then seeing the reaction on Brian's face, like it was very subtle, but again, just the look in his eye and like how his he, he kind of like sm- like smirked just ever so quickly and then stopped really quick, but like because the first thought of it is probably like okay, you know, like he's getting to him, but in this sick way, like Brian is is down for it, you know, like I don't feel like it was like John Moxley had mentioned, like oh, is it a matter of like you just don't want to face me type thing? Um, of course, didn't say it like that. He said it much better, but. I don't feel that way. Maybe a different, and of course, with with Brian against um, with the whole Dark Order and, and everything like that. Like he was kind of toying around with them, but it's it's not like that with with John Moxley. I don't, at least I don't feel that way. I don't feel this is as Brian is trying to avoid facing Moxley. I think that he he probably kind of wants both too, and I'm I'm sure that Brian is gonna accept. Um, but then it's a thing too. Like, is it just gonna be a strict wrestling match or is it gonna be like no DQ or whatever? Um, cause obviously if you're gonna wanna bleed, then you gotta allow them to bleed. Um, so the type of matches is, is gonna be pretty fascinating to, to see as well. But yeah, like I'm, I'm down for it though. Like I would love to see obviously them go to, go through war together and then come out. I don't know if you're gonna actually shake hands, but, be side by side at that point and and start a little mini faction because I would love to see that. And if it's one of the the three guys that Brian had mentioned, or if it's other people as well, but man, and and by the way, if they do start that faction, if you're not going to put Layla with with team Taz and throw her in there with these guys, please like, Oh my God, what a good shout. I didn't even think about that. Come on. So yeah, he said training, training Jade Cargill, by the way, I did not know that. I forgot to mention that one. It's a good, that's a cool fact. And I, that's, incredible yeah. for Jade Cargill. I, I don't know right. how that would work, but I think that's incredible for Jade Cargill, um, who's, you know, probably twice, you know, twice as big and, uh, twice, right. twice I would as love much to, as Ryan I hope Anderson. we get clips. We have I know. I, 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 I want to see the match. Give me the intergender match. Yes. Yes. Um, I know. I assume this was the, the other thing you were talking about, the second promo of the night that was your favorite part of the show. Yes. Thank you for mentioning that. I, I, I meant to lead off with that. Yes. This was my, the second favorite, and I, I guess they're going to be tied for my favorite moments. Um, thinking about it, but probably in, in AEW's history as well, like these two promos for whatever reason, or these two segments, I'll say just really stood out to me. Uh, I don't know again, if it's recency bias, but we'll talk about this at the end of the year, but I, at least like right now, like I just, they just hit me different, man. I, I don't know, but I think especially with this promo, that last line and then Brian's like subtle reaction and just the, the thought of what the future can hold for them too. It's just, it's so exciting. Like, and I'm, I'm down for it. I hope it plays out exactly like that. Like I hope they go through war and then come out side by side and then just literally run rampant on AEW because that's what Brian wanted to do, right? He wanted to pretty much win all the titles type thing. So I think that'd be fun, whether it actually happens or not, like if them winning the titles, um, I think it'd be fun to see in a fun story. 
Yeah, absolutely. I I have no idea where they're going with this. I feel like we talk about predictability a lot with AEW, which is not a bad thing at all. Oh, well, it, you know, there's a good and bad version of everything, but um, right. But I have I, I feel like we talk about it when it's predictable a lot more. I have no idea where this is going. I don't see John Moxley in a stable. I just don't see it. It doesn't fit for me. But if you told me that you were going to pair Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page together, I would say you were crazy. You know, so I don't know what I'm talking about. You know, I don't know until I've seen it and I have all the faith in the world that they know what they're doing with this. And and I hope they take their sorry time. And uh, and really, you think about some of these matches like this was my favorite match of the night, too. I I don't think you're a shot like I I think these two storylines going on right now are some of the best storylines ever in AEW. Not just because of the name values, right? But the actual content and the thought that's put through it. Obviously, these all these men are... I'm thinking of MJF, CM Punk, Brian Danielson, and John yeah. Moxley, obviously, right? Three out of four men have been in this business a long enough time to have really have knowledge as to having uh, all the details for not just a match, to put a match together, but like the story beats to put all that together and the, and the foresight without necessarily having like... And, and I love him, don't get me wrong, but like the Kenny Omega... New Japan style where he's not as his his version of storytelling doesn't fit as well for an episodic television show. You think about the Hangman right. Page story was great, but if you think about it beat by beat, like not everything was awesome. You know, um, Brian Danielson is an incredible TV wrestler, uh, and then uh, and then what was the other one I was saying? Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes is going to Cody Rhodes. You know, Chris Jericho probably in a similar vein. You don't really get that with these guys. These guys just love the actual art of it ego aside um we see him punk and mjf maybe a little bit different but uh definitely brian danielson and, and john moxley so i'm i'm excited i don't see it as stable but i'm definitely for it and honestly like if they put daniel garcia versus brian danielson on revolution i'd pay money to watch that match so the fact that we're getting john moxley versus uh brian danielson <sighs> possibly at revolution uh this card is this this i think that's probably why maybe you enjoyed it so much and i don't mean to put words in your mouth but it shaped up the revolution card i got <laughs> like i give like i'm ready to pay them double you know don't don't yes. quote me on that because you know no i while you're it's 100% tight right. while it's tight yeah, but yeah yeah no you're 100 percent right like i and i i may have a little bit of bias too so that's you know call me out if i overhype something but yeah like i i just feel like this card you know my bias aside um I just feel like this card is shaping up to be stacked, you know, and it, and this is, I don't want to downplay, but this is just revolution, you know, like they normally try to like, like hype up like all out and like double or nothing, you know, so, and that was, you know, quick question for you not to get off too much on the tangent, but what would you view, and I don't know if I've asked you, um, so forgive me, but what would you say their like big show is like their version of WrestleMania? Would you say it's double or nothing or all out? That's a good question. Because to me, like it would be boil down to those two unless you think it's one of the others but to me it'd be one of those probably all out if they were to have any but yeah. at the same time then they have all this casino crap but then like just stick it a double to me double or nothing is like the version i think of like royal rumble okay. and then i think you know maybe all out wrestlemania but i i honestly feel like it's funny you say, i look at them kind of all very similarly i don't look at them as one bigger like i look at all four yeah. on a fairly even playing field um Again, well, here's here's a good question for you, or here's a good answer, right? Where do they want to put the Kenny Omega Hangman Page match originally to end? It was all out, wasn't it? Mm. And then obviously Hangman yeah. Page's congratulations, obviously, but him and his partner had a baby and all that, so it ended up being on full gear. 
Yeah. So that to me says All Out might be is is what they view as you know the biggest show. But at the same time, I don't know. I, I think um, there's an argument to be made for any any four, but there's also the argument to be made that they're all the same. It's like I haven't really thought about that. What 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 would you say? Uh, and, and I'm I'm torn because Double or Nothing was their first pay per view, so and if, it was their first show back too. Right, right. So if we're going off of yeah, if we're going off of like history like that, it would make sense. But All Out is is like the sequel to All In, which I is mean, it's what called started All the company. Out too, right? Right, <laughs> like, right. And like they always like, and then and to me, I kind of look like like the events leading up to it too. Be, like with All Out, they always focused on like having like the the fan fests and like the the big like having it like a whole like destination weekend type thing. Um, and but they're starting to try to do that now. Like they kind of did are doing that that with Revolution as well. Like they're doing something on Saturday. Um, like a little fan fest thing. So I think they're maybe starting to like just build up the pay-per-views even, or yeah, they're still pay-per-views. Um, but yeah, like, I don't, I don't know. Like that's, that's why I was kind of curious. Cause like part of me wants to lean more towards all out, but you can definitely make an argument for a double or nothing. But to me, I'm, I'm kind of like intrigued as well, like that they haven't really positioned any one above the other. So that that's kind of interesting to me as well. But that was just kind of a, a thought that I wanted to get your, your insight on. No, I'm, I'm, I'm. Hopefully, one day we'll be able to go one, to one of those yeah. shows. I still, all WWE, you know, negativity aside, I want to go to a Royal Rumble. I it's yeah, on my bucket too. list. I've seen the Money in the Bank. I don't care about WrestleMania. WrestleMania actually looks miserable to me. Um, to be out there and like, especially when they go to these hot places, like, no, thank you. But like, uh, I want to go to a, a Royal Rumble specifically. I'd like it to go if I could go to one that's inside. But that's just um, <laughs> neither here nor there. But I definitely, uh, you know, I've been to a Dynamite and a Rampage, obviously. I've been to the Dynamite and the Rampage, if I may say so myself. Yeah, But um, <laughs> I don't. I, I would like to be able to go to a pay-per-view. And if I were going to choose a pay it's funny enough, though, if I were going to choose a pay-per-view to be able to go to, it would probably be Double or Nothing. I just, I like the vibe yeah. of that, maybe because I like gambling a little too much. But, like, I just like the, the whole feeling of it. I, 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 it's almost like I like the journey more than the destination. And Double or Nothing feels a little bit more like it's still on the journey. And All Out, to me, feels a little bit more like the destination. Um, then again, they're going to be right next door next week to me. And, um, I can, and I can't go to the show. So, I'm like, I'm literally, I'm going to be able to hear it. And I still <laughs> can't go to the show. So, uh, one day, that though, sucks. we'll see. Yes. All right, speaking of well, revolution now, speaking of shaping up the card to revolution more so, uh, Max Caster versus uh, Wardlow. I was a little, um, before we get into the match, I, I I don't know, I thought this week of all, like, I understand he's a little bit more, uh, you know, t Tony Khan's helicopter parented him a little bit with this stuff, but I was expecting a little bit more from Max Caster. Were you not? Am I the only one? Well, to be honest with you, I didn't even like the pairing for this match. Like, it just, it didn't, it seemed like, I mean, it's fine if you have two polar opposites, like, face each other, but, like, I don't, I don't know. Like, to me, like, with the, the whole, the acclaimed tag team, like, I felt like they were trying to give them a little bit more momentum and build them up a little bit more. And with what you're doing with Wardlow, like, I just, I didn't like the pairing. And I think that's, for me, like, my mindset going into it, I was probably a little bit jaded. But, yeah, like, I wasn't really impressed with the match itself. And that, and that's sad because, like, I I enjoy the acclaimed, you know. Like, I think Max could – is – I'm not going to say, like, he's going to be, like, the next main eventer. But, like, I feel – and I feel like they're a good pairing to, like, the acclaimed. I feel like Anthony Bowens is very good in the ring and Max is a very good mouthpiece. Um, But, yeah, like, I just – to me, I just didn't like the pairing to begin with. And it just wasn't really clicking. 
Yeah, I wonder why Max Caster got a chance too and Anthony Bowen didn't. If we were a tag team, Ashley, and you got a chance and I didn't, even if it was against Wardlow, I'd still probably be pretty angry. Yeah, um, as you should. For for and it was a you know a chance to to face for the title, so it's a big deal, you know. And Anthony was just out there happy as can be. Total side note too. Remind me, I have to ask you something about this whole Revolution qualifying match, but not nevertheless about the actual match itself. It seems like, you know, with this match and the the one he had against the Blade, too, it seems like um, it seems like they're trying to make these matches go a little bit longer, maybe change things up a little bit. You know, this one went through a picture-in-picture break, uh, and then we came back, and, you know, obviously Wardlow ended up, you know, powerbomb, the powerbomb symphony. The one thing I will say is I agree with you. I thought the pair was kind of funny, not necessarily for that, that reason. I think if you didn't do the Blade match... I just feel like that this this match suffered from that picture in picture break. I know it sounds silly, but to me, you you lost me for a while. Um, and I, and I know there has to be commercials, but maybe you just don't make this match go that long. But uh, Wardlow's facial expressions to me during the rap were worth the whole thing. You know, we talked about it with MJF. Wardlow can act. Wardlow is an actor, and and I oh, was yeah. I was I was solely I was almost as excited to see Wardlow's reaction as I was to see Max Caster's rap. Um, but you know, I was a little disappointed in it. Like I said, why, you know, you call him a, a, a B word, you know what? And, uh, it's, it's not very original. It's kind of like Ronda Rousey. I, I did see, I heard about that Ronda Rousey to Charlotte Flair. Like I want to face you. I had to say it. I couldn't, you know what I mean? Right. It's not very creative, but, uh, but well, first let me get your thoughts on the match. And then I got to ask you about this whole revolution title ladder match TNT face thing. Um, but what did you think? And what did you think about the 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 match with the or the it was the blade, right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was the blade. I don't know why, but like the names, I get them confused. Like I don't know why. I like, feel like I'm it should confident be the other way until around. I say it. Yeah, because yeah. he always comes out in an apron. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, know? exactly. Anyways, is it a little bit longer for him? Wardlow matches. Who's you know Wardlow's not like your Braun Breaker or anything. Like he is a seasoned indie wrestler, but still they're they're giving him a, a little bit longer for matches now. Um, I'm curious to hear your thoughts, and specifically on this match, obviously, as well. Yeah, you, like, I'm happy it, he is getting a little bit longer matches, because obviously, like, you're if you're going to have him fight for a, a title, and that eventually, at some point, your the idea should be that he's going to be a main event guy. Um, I know we're probably a few years still off from that, but you still want to frame him as, like, a big deal, especially with the kind of run that he's on right now. So I'm I'm I am happy that this match wasn't just a complete squash and they kind of went back and forth and it just shows kind of Warlow's even though it wasn't a squash match but it still kind of shows his dominance in a way and just his he just has a presence to him already and and like you said like he he is a good actor he just I hate to sound like cliche or whatever but he kind of has like the total package and Again, I still think we're a little, well, a, a good amount of time away from him being like in the main event scene, but I think he has a strong chance and a, a strong case to be made for like the TNT title. You know, I, I don't, I just think that if you continue to push him, um, maybe not win the title right now, but maybe within the year, you know, or maybe even closer towards like the end of the year, because me being biased, I want Mira to come back and win the title. Um, just I miss him so much. Um, but yeah, like I, I think Wardlow is is going to be like the the real deal going forward. I could hear that in your voice. You broke my heart there for a second. You miss him so much. <laughs> I do. I do miss Miro. It's it's sad. I don't know. 
Well, is he is he injured? I honestly don't even know. Has he just been injured, or I think he's just taking his time. You know, okay. uh, making making us miss him. Like the best thing a professional wrestler can do is get off my television. You yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, we start to miss him a lot more. So. So yeah, I hear you 100. percent I think um, I think that uh, I'm curious to see if Wardlow if if he does win this match if he actually gives the chance to M- or if he's gonna win the title. Does he give the title to MJF? Is he going to give the chance to MJF with this whole CM Punk thing and how it's dovetailing with it? I, I know we had the Keith Lee thing, and I'll ask you about that in a minute, too. But um, you know what? Let me jump over to that first before this whole revolution thing. I don't mean to go too off topic, but last week, I, I didn't get to hear your thoughts on Keith Lee. What did you think? <laughs> so I had a crazy theory, and I knew it was going to happen, but... I was trying to be one of those crazy conspiracy theorists out there and, and Isn't that have, Mary's job on this show. It is, it is, but I kinda I took her spot in, in that role. But she yes. I I kinda thought those like I was trying to make a case for it to be Jeff, right? Like I had this whole mastermind plan laid out. So when it was Keith Lee, like I personally I was just a tad upset because I knew like I was wrong, obviously. And I knew I was gonna be wrong, but there I'm just a massive Jeff Hardy fan. I just kinda wanted to be right. Um but I loved, oh, I'm not going to say I loved the debut, but I think it was perfect. I think that's exactly what you do with Keith Lee. And I think it was, the like, it was, I hate to say it, but it, it was pretty much perfect. Like, the your Isaiah Cassidy lineup was the perfect opponent. And Isaiah deserves just dinner from Keith Lee for, mm-hmm. for like a month straight, you know, with everything that he did. Um, and Mark Quinn, for that matter, but, but more so Isaiah. But... I loved the presentation. I loved the entrance. I loved the the look of Keith Lee, that it looked like the Keith Lee that we all knew and, and you know, started to love in NXT. Um, so, yeah, like, I, w- I was a big fan of it. And to me, it's really going to be interesting to see how they, like, view Keith Lee, if he's just going to be, like, a TNT guy starting off or if he's not going to win the ladder match and then kind of be thrusted into the main event scene. But with AEW, it's weird because – they are such a story heavy company and especially for the the heavyweight championship it's it's different than WWE where like you can have yes a feud for a month or two but then you can move right on to someone else that very easily and not you know not think twice about it but with AEW it's not like they really throw in random people um i guess you can maybe consider Lance Archer to be like a random opponent for Hangman Page but for the most part, like, they always have a solid story for their opponent that they're going against. So while I kind of love to see Keith Lee, like, in the title picture, I don't really know how he gets in there right now. So that's going to be kind of interesting to me. But I, if I were to put, I guess, money on it, I would say he's probably going to be in the TNT realm for, like, probably the next year or so and then go from there. And then I think he should, you know, I think he'd be a good championship, a ch- good champion rather too. I'd love to see him. And if you do have him win the ladder match, I'd love to see him win the TNT title and then him and Miro feud going forward. Cause I think you can get a good amount of time out of that too. Yeah. I, you really want this Miro thing to happen. I love it for you. I do, I'm, 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 I'm do. hoping now I'm want to will into existence for you. Don't get do. me wrong. I, I, yeah. I think Miro is really coming into his own and I think he's going to get a huge pop when he comes back. Like, I think he's going to get yeah. a well-deserved pop when he comes back. And you know what? Maybe he comes back. I want him to come back with Lana, with uh, CJ Perry, yes. whatever her name is. I, I, I want, I, I need a little different flavor from Miro this time. And I want to see a little bit more of, like, the charisma. Miro's got, like, some, you know, 
this whole God thing is incredible. But like, what if we did like a Jack? Not a totally side topic here, but like, not Jekyll and Hyde, but just like he's like silly, funny Miro, like weird. He's like weird, funny Miro, and then like, uh, you know, you you mess with him and he flips a switch. It's kind of similar to what he was in the beginning as the best man, but just better. Kind of what they're trying to do with Damian Priest. If you're like you're a WWE fan, like the the good and bad side, like it's just one thing that'll set him off. Don't don't you ever compare Miro. My thoughts, my booking plans for Miro to Damian. Can Damian Priest coexist with himself? Storyline. No, I'm talking about I like it. like like um like we remember when that he had that thing with Kip Sabian when he snapped on Kip Sabian back in like the locker room and he threw him into the wall. Like the beatdown was just brutal when he finally got why, like his hands yeah, on Kip Sabian. That's why Kip is still out, right? Exactly. Story, yes. Storyline, like yeah, that's but, insane like, to think about. He was so like funny and laughy and giggly, whatever. Like not giggly. Miro doesn't giggle, <laughs> but like <laughs> but, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he, but like he was very, he was very like casual, whatever, fun, and, like, loving a fun guy. Going guy. And then he just snapped into this violent guy all of a sudden. Like it was the intention all along, so it wasn't like something set him off. But, like, he's just got, like, he's 0 to 100, black or white, nothing in between. Like, I want that Nero. Um, and then I want him to bring his wife and God. Bring God to AEW. <laughs> That's the new Forbidden Door <laughs> debut. But, um, it, and okay. it would be because God it is technically with WWE, right? Like, God made his debut in WWE. In exactly. Match, so God, it, we never that. got an official release. So he was never future endeavored. So yeah, that would be a Forbidden Door entrance. And honestly, God is 0-1. Yeah, yeah, he, 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 needs, he needs, he needs, exactly. You don't want, they call, you know, Miro is the redeemer, so there you He go. is, I mean, it, that's long, see, there it goes. Long People say there's no long-term yes. story working anymore, there it is. Exactly, if, if you are looking for hire, Tony, we're here, we're available. Um, Just saying. <laughs> all right, this, before we move on to the next segment, I, I have to get your thoughts, I don't care if we skip something at some point, but I have to get your thoughts. Like, what's the deal with this Sonic Ring ladder match? When Tony Nese and his lovely little knees can come into AEW and just be like, I want a TNT championship match. All I got to do is punch Sammy Guevara in the head. But then they need to have this ladder. Like, like where's Darby Allen on the rankings? Did we look that up? Like, like, why do they need to go through this ladder match? Why can't they just do what everybody else is doing, which seems to be nothing, and get a TNT championship match? It seems a little excessive, doesn't it? Yeah, and don't even get me started on the rankings. You know how you know yeah, how exactly. I feel about the rankings, but yeah, and yes, it really doesn't. And like you said, it it really doesn't make sense at all. It's just kind of being extra, just to be extra, which is fine, you know. But it it really there is no sense. And, and not for nothing, like almost any debuting person can come in and just declare for. It. And that was the whole idea for the championship anyway. The TNT title was it was an open challenge essentially, especially with Sammy as the champion, like. That's always been the thing. So it's very strange that you have to go through all these qualifying matches, then go through a ladder match just to win a shot at the title that you can literally just say one week backstage on Rampage with Tony Schiavone that you want a title shot, and there you go. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So it is kind of extra. I feel like if you're going to do all this, it should be for like at least a World Heavyweight Championship match or something like that. But I don't I don't know, like, I I kind of agree with you there. It kind of doesn't really make sense. And, like, just the random, like, like this one, for instance, Borlo and Castor, like, it's just a random match that, in my opinion, just, like, it, the pairing just didn't work. Like, it was a fine match. Like, don't, 
don't get me wrong, but like it was just kind of random. Hey, maybe I'm hey, maybe I'm missing something. Maybe there was something specific that happened that led to this or the rankings. It does make sense, but I I don't see it personally. Maybe everything is just happening on dark. Maybe that's it. And we're just maybe not watching right. enough. Maybe Fine. that's it. Um, all right. So next up, we had this Hangman Page segment. Poor guy. Like, it's just trying to, like, talk to Tony Schiavone. And then, you know, it's, <laughs> he cannot. It's Lance Archer. It's Adam Cole. It's whoever. Uh, I just want to hear Hangman. I love Hangman. I just want to hear him talk for a minute without, like, I just want him to be Hangman for a second without somebody just coming in and needing to get their final word in. But um, this is obviously was the interruption by Adam Cole. There was one really good line in this where uh, Adam Cole goes, get, get out of my ring, Shivani. Like, the way he said it, it was just like, I got chill. I was like, oh, my God. I, like, I'm, I, I'd get out of the ring, too. Um, and uh, and then maybe want to boo him because we all love Tony Shivani. But uh, long story go away. They go back and forth. They, they they had a couple good zingers back and forth and talking about other companies and champions. We, we all know the story. Um, nothing new, really. And then uh, Cole says... That uh, when they do fight, you know, he's proud of them. And when they do share the ring one day, it, uh, it'll be for the AEW world title. Shakes his hand and then walks off. But not happening because Bobby Fish, the guy with the greatest facial hair in professional wrestling, and Kyle O'Reilly, congratulations, the new father, uh, beat up Adam Page. And uh, then then security comes out. Oh, this is what happened, right? Security came out. Then the Dark Order come out to make the save, right? And then it's like, all right, segment over. We're going off the air. But AEW usually goes off the air right away. So it was weird to me that they were, like, veering, staying on. And then 10. Like, I'm sorry. I I don't know what the f*** 10 was on. But he all of a sudden just starts throwing these security guards around, like, like, for no reason. And it didn't even look good. He didn't even look like he hulked up or anything like that. He just looked like, like. Everyone was confused. Like I don't know everyone in the dark like, order, like ten was confused. Everyone was like. confused. Like Adam Cole was confused. The security guards looked confused. Like everyone just looked confused except for ten. He was like just. It was. It was the funniest thing. I. I wish we could have seen his face to see like what he was like actually like. I don't know. Like it was just bizarre when he started doing that. I was like, wait, is he like? What? What did I miss? Like why is he so angry? You know, what it reminded me of. Um... <laughs> Do you remember the uh, the that segment? It's just a real weird throwback, but it was Raw, and Drew McIntyre. It was before the Royal Rumble last year, I think. And Drew McIntyre was facing Goldberg, and it was like Legends Night or something. So you know, Kelly Kelly and like Tatanka <laughs> yes. are hanging out backstage, yes. you know, having some punch, and um, and Drew mm-hmm. McIntyre's in the ring, and he uh, what's it called? And he. It's like, it was nice to all these legends all night. And then Goldberg just comes out and is like, uh, he's like, you have no legends, yada, yada, yada. Like, what the heck are you talking about, Goldberg? And apparently they missed some segment and that's why that happened. But like, it it was just so weird and so random and so off. That's exactly Mm -hmm. what I felt like this was. Like somebody was supposed to do something and they missed their cue. Like Vicky didn't come out to help uh, Rey Mysterio win the match against Eddie Guerrero, right? Something didn't happen and then 10 just went off. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was so bizarre. Like it felt like it took forever too. Like as it was going on, I'm just like, huh, like somebody help these security guards. Like someone just stop this. But it was just, it was very strange. Like it was, but it was kind of entertaining for, for that matter too. Yeah, you know what? Like, 
it's, things happen. It's not that big a deal in the world. The one yeah. thing I didn't love is it was obviously to set up, you know, for the Rampage match. And, and I don't know about you. I'm getting kind of sick of these, like, Adam Cole being relegated to Rampage, uh, which clearly not, you know, on the same level as Dynamite, despite the CM Punk de- debut. And there was one other thing about this actual segment that I liked, and, and then I'll throw it over to you. Uh, I like that Adam Cole calls out uh, Adam Page's, like, lack of, of relationship on screen, at least with the Dark Order lately. First of all, just because we haven't necessarily seen him doesn't mean that they're not there. But, like, uh, I-, I didn't necessarily love that he called him out, but I loved Adam Page's response. And, like, I'm not perfect. Like, I'm just another per- You know, I'm just yeah. another person. Like, it was very, like, continue to be the relatable millennial cowboy. I, I dug that for sure. So... Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I, I thought this was probably Hangman's, or one of Hangman's best promos. Not his best, but one of his you best. You were in a good just, mood, huh? I really <laughs> was. It was promo night for me, man. Like, I just really enjoyed it. I think that he just really showed, and I think maybe because it was more, a little bit more real, and, like, it was actually stuff that he, you know, like, actually like it was history right it was real life history that they went through and called back on so that was probably a little bit easier but it was just something about this segment i think of course adam cole like i'm a big adam cole fan so i think he was probably he probably was the one that's like steered it and was in more control of, of the whole segment but the thing that i was really kind of perplexed by though was like we're sitting here and, and Cole is saying like, like you said, like, oh, you know, Hangman is a bad like tenure with friendships or whatever. And like his, he always ends up dropping them or whatever. But like literally like a couple minutes later, the Dark Order comes out and saves him. So and like pretty quickly, too. So it, I don't know, like to me, like it would have made more sense if like no one came out to help him because that was the whole focus was hangman has no friends because he kind of drops them and he did address it, you know, but he, him addressing it was saying like, you know, like you said, he's not perfect, which makes sense. And it's totally relatable, but like his friends literally just came out to help him. So he does have friends. So I don't know, like if you do have friends, like why don't, why don't you just stand up for yourself and be like, yo, not like we are still friends or I don't know. Like that was just kind of like, I think while Tim was beating up the security guards, I was, I was kind of thinking about that. Like, why are y'all even out here? Like, wait a minute. Like what's going on? Um, Clearly yeah, Ken like, just I, had to get something off his chest, I man. So like, Hey, we all have those days. I get it. If I could do that, then I would too sometimes. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Like I still like the segment though. And I still like that. We're actually finally setting up a, a match and we have an idea of what's what to like actually look forward to. Yeah, I think this segment, it's funny, and I had the view of, like, I didn't mind that. I actually kind of liked the idea, and I might be reading way too much into it for him, but, like, that the Dark Order, I love the Dark Order and Hangman's relationship, but that the Dark Order still, like, love Hangman, even though he's, like, you know, sucks sometimes, because he's just a human <laughs> being, and he's, like, you know, is, like, not the greatest human being, and admits to not being the greatest, but tries really hard to be a better human being. I don't know. Just, like, I, I, I think I really relate with the hangman character and that's why i probably give it a little more leeway subjectively but i i can hear the confusion where you're coming from for sure um all right let's let's move on to this next tag team match because inner circle chris jericho and jake hager versus proud and powerful first of all let's talk about jake hager like uh, clearly i told you i we were talking about before the show chris jericho signed a new contract uh, jake hager is looking to sign a new contract clearly because the guy looks like i don't know if he's fighting in the ufc soon or something but he looks like a different human being than the last time we saw him on television and it's funny you say that because yeah he he does look completely different like he's definitely slimmed down a lot and since his AEW like beginning and up to now but for whatever reason i started thinking back 
to the night when he cashed in his money in the bank briefcase and became the world heavyweight champion. I don't even know how many years ago that was, but I just remember like that picture in my brain of him just standing there completely serious. Like the second he stood up, he was just serious and the shot was just on his, his face. But I remember just thinking like when I was thinking about it last night, just like how beefier he was and how much like bulkier he was. And he was obviously so much younger at that point. And like you said, like he just looks amazing last night and just, for whatever reason, it's weird, like, how wrestlers lately have been looking so much better in their later years than their earlier years. So, and maybe that's just me, but I just, now, I say all that, but at the same token, like, I think he's, like, and I hate to say this, don't, you know, I don't mean it in a negative way, like, no offense, JK, or to the human being, but he's, like, useless in AEW. Like, what is this <laughs> even, what's his point? Like, what is he even there for? Like, the random tag match, like... I don't know why I feel so strongly about it, but... <laughs> Every I... single time we get on this spot, it's like you, me and Matt Hardy. But it's, like, violent with you and Jake Hager. <laughs> yeah, and I really... I, he's probably a fine person. Like, I really don't know much about him besides, like, obviously he, he fights. But, you know, like, I just don't see his point, especially if Inner Circle are breaking up. Like, I don't see it. Like, Chris Jericho, I mean, maybe he can continue to be his bodyguard or whatever but like i don't know like i don't even think i don't know i'm not gonna get in that's a whole other side topic but and that's besides picturing him like after when he won the title and like how much he's changed physically like i was just thinking like man like why are you even here like i don't i don't know i don't know but it was a fine match though oh i'll hand it over to you why? Why are you even here, dude? Go home. Go back. And to I the... don't mean that as as part. No, as I know. It sounds, I know you. Like, <laughs> Storyline wise, I was like, dude, like it makes no. Like I don't know. Like even in the inner circle, like yes, you just you think about there. the biggest, like probably the most influential faction in in AEW history, besides the elite, maybe. But it's just much more clear coat, like of who's in it. You know, uh, Jake Hager is a part of the fact. <laughs> there's got. There's always got to be a Jake Hager. You think about it. Yeah. I, yeah. And you're right. You're right. And, and he filled the role. He does. He fills the role great. To me, he and Luchasaurus kind of have a similar vibe, except Luchasaurus is ten times better, but, like, Luchasaurus can wrestle much better, and Luchasaurus is a (laughs) dinosaur. But, like, I just were, like, I don't know. Like, I forgot to mention the interview before. Uh, uh, Luchasaurus just goes, you know, growls and threesomes. Like, that was great. And uh, apparently Jungle Boy is just, like, I don't know, Anna J, Jungle Boy, and whoever else... Uh, that's yeah. going on okay um and there was a good line but now that i'm on the subject with chris jericho about winning battle royales but um but uh what was i saying chris jericho no um uh jake hager and luchasaurus like like i just you know it's that time when uh, jake hager went championships yeah you know what i'm talking about <laughs> yeah that was good that was good yeah like that's all i <laughs> need his moments for. like i don't hate him yeah, yeah I, I, I hear you 100%. You know, that, to me, that's what I need him for. And just to be that villain role. And, and you know what? He plays the part. He's, he, I, I, yeah. I don't think he's making Chris Jericho money. I don't think he should be making Chris Jericho money. Um, imagine if Jake Hager's contract was bigger than Cody Rhodes, and that's why Cody Rhodes left at EW. That um, would be... <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> but the match, the match itself... Honestly, I don't know about you. I don't feel like I, I, I'm just like not the proud and powerful have like not been showing me much lately in the last couple tag team matches. I don't know if this is a storyline. The best part of this whole thing was the pop that uh, Eddie Kingston got uh, before the match started. Obviously, when he returned, uh, but even the after the match brawl, I'll say P- proud and powerful won this match, uh, but with a with a discus lariat. Discus lariat. That's a tongue twister for me. 
but it was very anticlimactic to me. And then yeah. the um, and uh, and the after match, Eddie Kingston and Chris Jericho, you know, brawl because Chris Jericho drop kicked him off the apron or something. But it was like a really weird brawl. They both like had one arm up in the air. Like, am I the only one who noticed that? No, no, it was strange. And even the with with Kingston getting on the apron, it, it was just like kind of awkward. Yeah, it was just like it, I don't know. Like I think I think maybe the timing was off there, but because it was I don't know. Just like you said, it was just kind of awkward, and I don't know what it is, but I'm just not feeling. I don't know. Like I kind of envision like the breakup kind of being a bit more. I don't know, heated or impactful or I don't know. Like I just kind of expected maybe something else with the outcome. And I think you, you kind of actually summed it up perfectly with saying it's, it was kind of anticlimactic. I don't know. Like I didn't hate it, but it just, it was just kind of okay. And, and to me, like I love Eddie Kingston. So like you said, like the return and the pop that he got was, was cool to see. So I'm, I'm happy he's back and I'm sure it'll lead to like a one-on-one match with him and Jericho, which is going to be pretty interesting to see with like how, like Jericho is now to see him going against Eddie and if that's going to be a regular match or if they're going to you know have some like stipulation or something like that but I don't know like I'm kind of honestly ready for this to be over with and Santana and Ortiz just do their own thing now and just like really focus on themselves but I do have a question for you and I was thinking about this earlier when I was driving and I don't know why but do Santana and Ortiz have first names or last names? Like first names? Like I don't Santana. I guess maybe could be the first name, but do they have like other names or is it just Santana and Ortiz? That's a great question. Let's look it up right now. Because uh, <laughs> I mean, we know the tag name, like the Proud and Powerful. Like that's, Angel you know, fine, or but... in 2012, Angel Ortiz and Mike Drasnick formed a tag team. So maybe that's what it. Angel Ortiz. I, I think in okay. in AEW canon. Yeah, Mike uh, Mike Drasnick is Santana. I think in AEW canon, they're just Ortiz and S- Santana. Uh, but in okay. in um, uh, EYFBO, uh, I'm not familiar with Santana and Ortiz. That's why I'm, I'm not going to pretend to be either. But I know they've wrestled a, a lot more before. Wow, crazy how different they look, too, from like back just even like a year or so ago. I'm yeah. looking at a, a – Santana looks like – much more defined like he looks like bulked up like way better he's, and then or- he's really focused on like the that the past year it seems and even his face like looks trimmed down and everything like that too and then ortiz his hair and everything yeah. and he's in these oh i'm just looking at a picture of them wow crazy if you guys want a trip go look at a picture of santana and ortiz from like a year ago it's wild um that's so why I don't know. I it seems like apparently it's yes, just but hmm, okay. I like Santana and Ortiz. I like Santana and Ortiz more it. than Proud and Powerful too. I don't love their. T- oh yeah. Also, don't love that they're painting their face every match. Yeah, I thought that was just like a special match, like a big time match, like is when they painted them. But I guess it's gonna be like a more. It's marketable. I get it, but it yeah. doesn't. I don't know. I think they're good looking guys too. I don't think they need to. Do yeah, that. they are. Um, all right. Next up, let's move on down because we are we are we are going where we had a long Cody Rhodes keeps taking over this stupid podcast um he's Matt's problem now uh and your problem I guess too yeah uh no disqualification match Thunder Rosa and Mercedes Martinez there were a buff a buff a bunch of rough bumps in this match definitely uh with there was apparently in picture in picture I I can't I can't pay attention I the ADHD in picture in picture are just like not a uh a combination worth messing with but um 
Sant- um, excuse me, Thunder Rosa couldn't get the uh, table set up, so they put it up like they called. Th- there were a lot of audible ca- audibles called. I think in this match, they put the table up like up against the ring, and there was a um, fisher- fisherman suplex, fire thunder. I some there was some move from Mercedes <laughs> Martinez to uh, Thunder Rosa through that table, and then the table like broke but it didn't break and then they yeah. slid down it would look <clears throat> rough and then the bump that uh, mercedes martinez took to earlier on the match to the uh through the guardrail i don't think that was supposed to break like that maybe but like it did it did not look like it she didn't look like she was taking a bump and and so if they were in you know improv and just improvising after that power to them um but to me, I feel like this, like, it was like everything was working against this match besides the crowd. It was really cool to hear the crowd kind of on the side. So before we get to the post-match, which obviously was kind of more of the story, um, obviously Thunder Rosa coming away with the win with the, uh, I forget what move she did, some move on a bunch of chairs. Uh, what did you uh, What did you think of the match itself? I really, I enjoyed it, and I, I kind of agree with you 100% there. I feel like, like you said, like every, there was, for whatever reason, so much trying to work against this match, but it really showed the experience and like the, the professionalism and just the, the ability to react and adapt to, to when stuff goes wrong, um, out of these two, because I don't, I think Mercedes has been in the business now for like almost like 20 years or something crazy. I don't really know ex- exactly how long, but Thunder Rosa has definitely been around for some time now too. So, I, do, I just really enjoyed it. You know, I feel like it could have been a lot worse. Um, so I think, like, these two ladies, like, deserve, like, you know, kudos. And, like, I hope they got, like, you know, a, a good little standing ovation to the back just for the fact that they were able to adapt. And, and they made it look, you know, believable. Like, it was, I really enjoyed it. Um, I'm not going to say it was, like, my favorite match or anything like that. But I, I think it was really good. And I I think that the story, like you said, we'll, which we'll get to, that it ended up leading to was kind of really well told, but I think Mercedes Martinez deserves a lot of credit here, and I I'm very interested to see like if she's gonna end up being like a, a face going forward, because um, I think the, the division kind of needs it and kind of needs her to be. I think she'd be a cool like good guy like face and just like powerhouse in in the women's division, um, and I'd kind of like to see her go up against like a Jade Cargo and, and see like a little feud and, and match series uh, with them. So, I in my head that's kind of where you can go. But I'd be interested to see like what they kind of view her doing going forward, and because I think it's it's obvious now with Thunder Rosa being tied with Britt. So I hope they don't just like drop off Martinez and just like kind of put her to the side at this point. Yeah, I, I'm I'm in agreement with that. I, I think. I'm I'm like a big fan of Mercedes Martinez. Like I think I don't yeah. think she gets nearly enough credit. I and it's such a breath of fresh air to have a a woman specifically in AEW now coming in uh who who like isn't green. I hate to put it like right. that, but like it, she is a veteran, a signee in the AEW women's division who is just a veteran. And uh, and you could clearly see in this match, you know, like I said, I think this match could have been way better than it was, but I still think those buffs, uh, those buffs, I keep doing that, those bumps look rough, um, and that uh, and that the peaks of this match and the crowd being so behind it, like made up for for any missteps, and and, and just being a, a fan enough to know that these ladies were probably having to improvise, like made it all the more yeah. fun for me specifically. I don't know about how anybody else would feel, but. 
yeah, I think Mercedes Martinez is underrated uh, as just a, as a hand in AEW to have. At the very least, if she's not, you know, going to be a big on-screen role, which, which, you know, I don't think she's ever... I just don't think that's her part. I don't think that was ever meant to be her part, which is nothing wrong. You know, maybe she has a run. Give her a run with the TNT title. Give me a match. Mercedes Martinez versus Serena Deeb. I want to see it so badly, but I also just want to see her or hope to see that she like works with a bunch of the younger ladies on dark, you know, and the the yeah. ladies who are greener and just helps them figure out like the fundamentals. Cause I think a lot of these ladies seem to know how to do the big spots, you know, except Penelope Ford with that moonsault <laughs> with the table and the knee and the, Oh, I can't, I oh. can't. Uh, mm. but, uh, but, it's the fundamentals and it's the getting from one spot to the other and it's the linking stuff together and it's the being able to call stuff on the fly when things don't go right, right? Like that Mercedes Martinez is definitely going to be able to um, have a big impact on for a lot of these ladies, I think. Because I think Thunder Rosa absolutely to me is, is – I wouldn't call Thunder Rosa green at all. But I, I would say that I don't think she has this – isn't doesn't have the same ability, to, it seems, to carry a lot of other um, – of the newer ladies, at least the smaller ladies, because she definitely carried Jade Cargill in that match a lot better than and some others have. But I just think Mercedes Martinez is going to be such a, a such an integral part that we're not going to see. Someone like a Christian Cage, you know what I mean? It's just really yeah. going to be able to help a lot of these ladies. And and you know what? Good. Like thank God Tony Khan's finally spending some more money on this women's division to improve it from behind the scenes as well. So for sure. Uh, all right, main event time. Oh, no, not main event time. The After the match, we had, um, uh, obviously, Britt Baker come down. There was this whole Cobra Kai thing. Uh, do you watch the show? No, and I had no idea who he was, so I, I don't know. I didn't know until I got on Twitter. The best celebrity cameo has still been uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Uh, yeah. who he, he was, like, so, so fired up about that Ray Phoenix match. Yes. Like, you can't fake that enthusiasm. No, he he made you have fun watching him have fun. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, I mean it's memorable. Say, well, of course, besides Shaq, but we don't know where he is still. So yeah, he's still missing. Basketball players and and to, he, Giannis better watch out because apparently exactly. it's not a not a good history. But uh, so we'll just move on past that. Good for them though. I say get your you know continue to do your thing with pop culture as long as some of this is a little bit cringy. But um, yeah, Britt Baker's not an actress. Uh, and, and, you know, and we love her on this, but she's not, she's not an actress. Um, and so she comes out with rebel and Jamie Hayter and long story go away, gives the pipe to Mercedes Martinez to beat up Thunder Rosa, obviously, because she didn't get the job done. Thunder Rosa has, uh, excuse me, uh, Mercedes Martinez hesitates, uh, cause there was a show of respect after the match between Rosa and, uh, and Mercedes Martinez. And, um, they end up just beating her up too, you know. Uh, I was gonna say it's a lot of names. I keep getting all my names mixed up. Um, oh my gosh, Jamie Hader. Jamie Hader yeah, just yeah. like not about it. She's already annoyed with uh, with Mercedes Martinez, so she beats her up. Britt Baker beats up Thunder Rosa, and we are setting up for assumingly uh, Rosa versus Baker at Revolution. I hope so. Like, uh, and I feel like it's time. It it, it, took the words right out of my mouth. It is time. Like, but do you think it's just going to be a regular match or do you think think it should be? Yeah. I think you can do that for sure. I think so too. And early prediction, do you think Britt retains or do you think this is Rose's time? That's such a tough question because like it feels like it's time to switch the belt, right? It feels like it might be time for a lot of people. 
And then you've got our issue, or at least I'll speak for myself, the deep-seated love that I have for Britt Baker. Like, I never want her to lose the title. But I also right. am curious to know, I think, I think if you take the title off Baker, she's such a character that she could still do other feuds outside of the title picture, but then you fear that maybe it becomes a hangman situation where it seems like it's a little bit second, second priority, the title. But then you've got three different, and then you've got the TVS title now with Jade Cargill. Like, I just don't want to see Britt Baker fade into obscurity if she doesn't have the title. I doubt that would happen. Uh, but I actually feel like Thunder Rosa or Jade Cargill would fade into obscurity, and I think Britt Baker would outshine them. So, you know what? My early prediction is they keep the title on Baker, and it's a heartbreaker. And it's a it's a Ooh. wonderful heartbreaker. Um, what are you thinking? Ooh, I... I my heart wants it to be Baker, right? But I you think we're going to switch? Yeah, I feel like they're going to because I feel like if they, I feel like it's time. I as much as I hate to say, like like you're mentioning, I feel like it 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 is time. And I would kind of like to see Doctor Britt Baker like as a character without the title because we've known her as the champion for so long now. Like I would like to see her character develop without kind of being harnessed as the champion you know like i would like to see her with other, in other feuds and just kind of grow as a as a character um as weird as that sounds but i i don't know like i i feel like it's okay with someone like her that she that for her to lose this match right now because she's how long has she even had the title now it's it's been a good amount of time so i feel like now is is kind of perfect because worst case scenario if if the I guess if you want to call it like experiment with Rosa being the champion um, fails, then you can always put it right back on on Doctor Britt Baker. Um, you could build up a random dynamite if you need to or or whatever, but if you needed to happen before the next pay per view. But I don't know. Like I, I feel like it would be okay to kind of test the waters and see how Thunder Rosa does as the champion and and allow Britt to kind of grow in a different way. And like I said, you can always go back if it doesn't work. Yeah, I hear you. And, and, and in an ideal world, I think I'd agree with that. My my fear is that AEW just doesn't have the infrastructure, like, as a company to, to, to have three major things going on in a women's division that gets one match a week or two matches a week, technically. Yeah, true. Uh, I mean, I, I it's personally, myself, and, and I've said this before on the show, I think the TBS title is a huge mistake. I think, yeah. I think it, yeah. you, why are you giving another title to a division that you're giving no time to, you know, tell stories and then build another title when it feels like they need it. Don't use a title to build stories that in a division you're already not doing that for. Um, I think to now, when I see it, look at it back at it now to me, don't get me wrong. I like the tournament, but it just seems like something they need to give Jade Cargo because they weren't ready to pull the trigger with her at the title. She's too green for, you know, the Jade uh, for Baker situation. But I, I don't know. Like, I want to see more Nyla Rose on my television, you know. Yeah. Uh, and and if you she's take... So inter- she's so funny, oh, too. She's like, the... If you follow her on Twitter. She's the best. I'll never... Surprise. Like, just the greatest thing. I'm going to start <laughs> yeah. starting all my podcasts off with that. I yes. have to make a new intro for this thing, too. It's going to start off with surprise. <laughs> yes. So, I don't know. I think you're right. I think the other thing, though, too, is if Britt Baker wins at Revolution, then you've got 1-1, and you could do the third match, and you could step it up again. But then... But technically, the match didn't count. Yeah, don't get me started on that. (laughs) You know, so... All right, let me um... channel my inner Mark Henry, and it's time for our main event. Uh, TNT Championship match, Sammy Guevara, Darby Allin. 
this was a ripper for sure. I mean, this was exactly what you kind of figured with these two guys who are just... There was a moment where Sammy Guevara looked into the camera and said, I'm crazy, and and I was like, you know what? You are, you lunatic. And then I also thought, Sammy Guevara has a really small tongue. <laughs> Might have been I'm sure that's not what he's going for. <laughs> exactly, but uh, there's some really cool spots in this match. There was a Spanish fly, obviously the story of... um. Sammy Guevara tweaking the knee before that and, and some really cool technical offense back and forth in the beginning too and Darby Allen attacking uh, attacking the knee as well. Sammy Guevara selling it better than he has in the past, so I'll give him that. But, um, uh, you know, that insane corkscrew, whatever it was, on the apron, that oh. bump, the, the cutter from the suicide dive, this was... These two guys never fail, uh, and then the ending was what it was. But before we get into the post match, let me just ask you about the match itself. What did you think? It, it it was insane. Like I, I really enjoyed this match. Like I at, at points, like I thought maybe they are gonna pull the trigger and put the title on Darby Allen, but in a grand scheme of things and how everything is is laying out, like it it wouldn't make sense to do it right now, obviously, but. It was just these two match up so well, and I think like it's obviously they're kind of polar opposites as well. But like just how crazy they are in the ring, like literally crazy. They both are willing to do pretty much anything. So to see both of those different versions of craziness combined, it was it's fun, you know. And like I I kind of want to see them run this match back again. Like I I'd, I'd love to see like a round two. Um, and with more time. So I feel like they this could have easily been like a, a match on a pay-per-view, not even necessarily this one coming up or, or anything like that. But if they need to come back to this in, in the future, I feel like they very easily could. Um, it, was, it was just like, it's one of those matches where you kind of just have to watch it. Like anything you say and like explaining it won't really do it justice. But I just really enjoyed it. And of course, the, the aftermath was kind of, you know, a whole separate subject. Yeah, though. let's talk about it. So obviously, the ending of this match was um, Andrade coming. Oh, excuse me. Is it is it Jose? Jose. Yeah, Jose coming out and uh, distracting the ref and some. I don't know. And then uh, and Andrade hitting Darby Allen with an iPad. Again, the, bring back the iPad, apparently. Somebody somebody had a desire for it. And then uh, Sammy Guevara doing the shrug, hitting the GTH on uh, Darby Allen, and then getting the win post-match Matt Hardy because we cannot go a dynamite without Matt Hardy, especially in the main <laughs> event. Important important stuff. Don't get me started. Talk about useless. Uh, Matt Hardy <laughs> beats down Darby Allen. Sammy Guevara comes in to make the save. He takes his sorry time, nonetheless. And then uh, Andrade comes in, beats up uh, Sammy Guevara. Then we get Sting. Sting saves the two of them. And we get <sighs> apparently the new tag TNT title belts. Just want to throw that out there. But Andrade yeah, and uh, your new TNT tag team champions, uh, Andrade and Matt Hardy, walking off to close the show. Um. I'm I'm gonna take this one first, Ashley, because I think I have a yeah. I have a certain uh, hatred towards towards some of this stuff. Why is Matt Hardy? You know what I'm doing it now. How old is Matt Hardy? And you were talking about Jeff Hardy coming in to uh to like I love Jeff Hardy. Don't get me wrong. And and I I just I'd rather them just do a little Hardy Bros like maybe one match and maybe a little thing on the indies. Like I don't need. 47-year-old Matt Hardy and Jeff Hardy oh, wow. on my television. Matt, when I watch Matt Hardy or Jeff Hardy wrestle, it hurts my knees. 
<laughs> Genuinely. Like, Jeff Hardy does a better job of selling a knee injury than Sammy Guevara does in a match, just just in life. Jeff Hardy walking mm-hmm. around. And I and I thank him for all the contributions, both of them. They had for the, for the business, the industry, all the bumps they took. But, like, and if you want to do your, like, run with the Hardy Boys and the Broken and Willow and – was it win, Window? Willow? <laughs> window? <laughs> Willow, yeah. <laughs> Like, go just not on all elite television, at least in my main event. You know what I mean? Like, it's just not for me in this time. And Andrade, like, Andrade, Darby Allen, don't put that on Revolution. Don't you dare put that on my pay per view, right? When you're giving me this match as the uh, main event of Dynamite, built this feud up again. I'd rather watch this again. Andrade, yeah, he had a couple good matches. He had maybe. Two it's two good matches with Pac. He kinda went through a table on fire with Cody Rhodes, but not really. Uh like what has he done? And there, he wants to like it was cute. He wants to buy Darby Allen. Like it was funny. Cause like, oh, you know, whatever, the guy who doesn't understand that Darby Allen is a grown adult because he's like ninety pounds, but like I don't know. I don't know. I just don't put that on my pay-per-view. I'm just not ready for this. Let me give it to you. I'm all jumbled all over the place. Matt Hardy gets me fired up. I see. I see. Um, Yeah, he's your Jake Hager. Um, Yeah, but it's beyond that. Like, at least you're a little bit polite. Like, a useless would be a a nice thing. Just get off my television at this point. Yeah, I'm happy you brought that up about Andrade because – he has been a very interesting signing to me because I, in WWE, I felt like he could have been a star and I felt like they really dropped the ball with him. But seeing him in AEW, I just kind of pictured it going differently. And of course, that was before like everyone else and their mothers started joining AEW, which it, a lot of them has been warranted. But Andrade, I feel like, is, is one of those who has kind of fallen to the side um, or yeah. maybe not has maybe he hasn't been as pushed as, as no, much as like, he would have where's nxt andrade yeah yeah like i it's just and even in the rain like it's just not the the andrade like i was expecting so i'm still kind of waiting for that moment and maybe the match that we get at revolution ends up being like that that moment but i just feel like there's just been something missing now don't get me wrong like i like you mentioned again i was very much entertained and it still cracks me up when he says sting because it sounds like he's saying stink so i just i that just tickles me so i i hear stink and the fact that he (laughs) thinks darby allen is a little boy who is is like the employee of stink it's just the best thing to me (laughs) i just love it so whenever they're whenever those backstage segments happen and i see andrade and then Lately, with Sting, it's just it's the best thing. So I will give him so much credit for Don't that. Don't start calling him Sting now. No, stick with the gimmick. <laughs> yeah, Sting. It's 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 it it's just a guilty pleasure for me. Um, so I'm giving that for that reason. I'm kind of giving him a pass here. And I think if it does end up being a, a three way match, um, I think it's going to be like incredible. So I'm I'm kind of holding out hope for that. But I don't see him winning here. Like or the maybe predicted match uh at revolution like I, I don't see him winning the the title so again like i'm gonna be kind of worried about what happens with him long term but i in and the whole by the way inclusion of like the hardy family office and now it's the andrade hardy a h f o p q w x y and z exactly it's a cluster and i'm just i 
when that segment started originally and Matt was saying that he sold his his Porsche or the Hardy family office to Andrade, like I was like, Yes, like here we go, like it's gonna he sold it, it's gonna be done with, you know, and kind of wipe your hands clean. But now it's just getting more kind of ridiculous and it's just it there's really no direction. The none of them are doing anything substantial and storyline wise. And it's like the private party, like I feel like have dropped so much. Like yes, I just you know, praised Isaiah Cassidy, but they have just been kind of a joke up until like last week with, with Keith Lee. So or at least not taken seriously. Like if you think about it, when AEW first started, like they beat the young Bucks. And yeah, they the were up there. Yeah, yeah, like, they were, and of course, I'm not saying, like, they should be tag champions or anything like that, but it's just, they're just being presented differently, and I don't know, maybe, maybe it's a matter of you have so much talent, like, I don't know, I don't know, maybe there's something that I'm not putting into consideration, but. You have so much talent, you just have to team up with Matt Hardy. (laughs) Yeah, so, it's, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking that once Jeff comes, like, this whole family office thing is done with anyway. Um, and everyone just kind of goes their separate ways, but it can be the broken yeah. window. Exactly. The broken window, nothing worse than a broken window, but I don't know. I'm just kind of ready for all of this to be over with. Um, but I'm looking forward to the match, whatever match variation happens at, at, at essentially, I'm assuming revolution at this point. Well, you're a little more optimistic than me. Oh, be, before we close yeah. it down, I, I did forget to mention one thing and, and I want to get your thoughts on it. It was this backstage thing with, um, Adam Cole and uh, Red Dragon and the Young oh, Bucks, yeah. again, essentially um, making it ve- like for for first of all, there was a Jay White thing too, by the way, which I really enjoyed. I don't know if you saw like I there's something about like Jay White basically it wasn't true, by the way, the fact that he beat Kenny Omega and that's why there's all elite wrestling, but that's fine. You know what I mean? Like let's um <laughs> let's uh he's a heel. He can he can lie a little bit, but like. I, so I appreciated that, and I think they need to do that a little bit more. They can still treat my intelligence respectfully, but also not expect that I've watched. You and I have both admitted we are not big New Japan people. You know, we haven't watched a lot yeah. of, of stuff that we'd like to. So with all that being said, though, I did enjoy that. But there was a um, there was a segment backstage with Adam Cole, the Young Bucks Red Dragon, and, and it was very obviously, like, good for Brandon Cutler, by the way. He got his, like, which way are you going to go, Adam? But it was yeah. very much a, uh, uh, you know, more of mom, dad, why can't you get along, um, Adam Cole gig. And uh, I will say there was a line that I liked about, you know, where have you been, Kyle O'Reilly? And he was like, oh, I got my dad of the year award. And, and then Nick goes, or, or Matt goes, well, I have two kids. And Nick goes, well, I have three kids. And Adam Cole goes, yes. you all have kids and they're all beautiful. All right, let's just all calm down. That was perfect. So I'm curious about your thoughts on with with all that stuff that's going on with the Young Bucks, Red Dragon, and Adam Cole, and then also, um, what did you think about and you kind of combining with that segment in the beginning of the show? I forgot to mention as well with uh with uh, a dinosaur yelling threesome, um, but uh, with a triple threat tag team match, do you think it's going to be? Is it as clear as day? Red Dragon, Young Bucks, or what are they doing? It's kind of confusing to me, like the whole like we were getting there, but it, it's fine. Like to me, this is like another one of those. Uh, like a little extra, like kind of like the the face of the revolution ladder match. Like it's just mm-hmm. just kind of extra, like. But I get it. You're you're trying to you know kill time, make it feel like a big deal. So whatever. But yeah, I I think it's pretty pretty much cut and dry that it's going to be Young Bucks and and Red Dragon um, as it probably should be. Um, but it, I 
I do appreciate this the story that they're telling with Adam Cole being conflicted and everything, but we've already seen him leave with with Red Dragon before, so I don't know why like last night was all, all of a sudden like a, a big deal, like why he was torn. We've seen him like leave off with him, so I don't I don't know like where that like really came from. Um, but yeah, like I, I'm enjoying the story because. I feel like it's eventually going to lead to a, a much deeper story when Kenny Omega returns and the divide and who's on whose side at that point. And if Jay White is still around, then they'll play off of that history as well. So I don't know. And this may be building to what AEW wanted to do eventually was having like the, the six-man titles and everything. So I think you can kind of tell like a long-term story in, in that route um, if, if that's where you want to go. But I don't know. Like I kind of maybe ex- part of me expected when Jay White was going to come in, it was going to be a bigger deal. I, I I did like the initial debut. I thought that was cool and different, but I kind of thought the follow up was going to be a little bit more hyped. But I guess it it kind of does make sense if if you think about it, since he is I guess technically through the Forbidden Door and he's still signed with uh, New Japan. So I guess he you know it it would be one of those things, especially with how like we've been seeing how stacked their roster is like. Why would you put so much hype behind someone who's not even fully on your roster? So I can respect that and appreciate that. But I don't know. Like, I kind of thought it would be a bigger deal in a way. No, I understand that. And I think I think a big part of it is that, and I hate to put it like this because I'm, I'm a Jay White fan, but Jay White is not the Jay White from pre-pandemic, you know? And yeah. uh, and AEW is, is has got to present him that way. Uh the problem is, is if you know enough about Jay White to know why Jay White would be a big deal, you probably know that Jay White's not that big a deal anymore. Uh, so, just, I mean, he's still Jay White. I don't mean to put it like that. That's a little bit harsh, but he's still Jay White. Um, but he's just not Jay White of a couple of years ago, I think. I, I think his stock dropped. And so, I, you know, I think that, uh, that that happens with everybody. Everybody fluctuates, but, like, yeah. that's why you have Keith Lee debut as soon as possible and all that other stuff. Um which reminds me of one more thing I forgot to ask you about, too. The one thing I'll say is about this whole three-way match. I, I wish I wish that the Lucha Bros didn't lose the titles. I wish they won that match, and then they had to vacate them because uh, Ray Phoenix got injured, and then we had this three-way match. Because when you have a triple threat to me, it seems funny when there's one champion going in. Like, I don't know. I just... It makes more sense that, like, it would be a vacated title and then whoever's going to be the winner wins the title like that. Yeah, Versus, that like, sense. I don't know, the idea that the, you know, uh, Red Dragon could pin the Young Bucks and then, it, to me, it doesn't fit as much in AEW with the rules of AEW. WWE, nothing matters, so it kind of is okay, but I had never thought about it and I was thinking about it today, funny enough. Your, your driving thoughts were, you know, Santana and Ortiz's first name. I was thinking about this. Um <laughs> So uh, any any other thoughts on on the Young Bucks stuff before I gotta ask you one last thing I forgot to mention about the show as well? No, no. Uh, Buddy Matthews, this House yes. of Black promo. Uh, I tried, by the way, this time to follow along with it and like really dissect the words. I was like, maybe if I really listen and I don't tune out, like I just really listen to what he's saying, it'll make sense. Nothing, nothing. There was something about like the rise of blood and ashes, and it sounds like, like. Uh, it sounds like a bunch of those adult uh, romantic books. And if you took the titles <laughs> of all of those and you mashed it all together, that's what an Alistair Black <laughs> yes. promo sounds like to me. But apparently this is supposedly the teaser to the debut of uh, Buddy Matthews, formerly Buddy Murphy in WWE. 
and uh, he's going to, uh, I assume we're going to go with the uh, six-man six tag, maybe even at Revolution, uh, House of Black versus uh, Dark, Death Triangle. So that I'm all for. I don't know if that's going to happen. That's more me fantasy booking. But uh, Buddy Matthews, the minute he was released, apparently I, I, I advocated for him to be in AEW. I'm actually a big fan of Buddy Murphy, Buddy Matthews. Um, yes. Uh, but... You know, some people say he's very similar to Kenny Omega, yada, yada. But apparently they tried to sign him back a while ago and things kind of didn't work out. You know, he's Australian, so that might have played a big part in it of where he is and where he can be with with the pandemic and all that. I know they had really strict rules in Australia with a lot of the pandemic stuff. I don't know if they still do or not. But um, but what do you think? Are you you think this is Buddy Matthews? Do you want Buddy Matthews to come in AEW? Do we need another – do we need a Kenny Omega – you know, do you see the resemblance? I mean, I, yeah, I, I get it. Um, and to be honest, like I hadn't even really thought about that. That's the first time I've, I've heard that comparison, but yeah, oh, yeah. It, it, yeah. Like it, it does make sense though. Like thinking about it, their styles are very, very similar in their speed. And I think the one thing that to me that is like a main comparison, now that I'm thinking about it is their velocity and like how they can go from like zero to like just yeah, the intensity. insane i know what you mean yeah. yeah like how they can go from like being like on the ground or like you know just stationary to just taking off and it's just i don't know like in in aspects like that for sure um but i think kenny still has the edge a bit and i think that kenny has a more i don't want to say well-rounded style but i think he has a little bit more variety um, and just maybe a little bit more like hard hitting. I don't know. Like I don't really know how to explain it, but I see Kenny a little differently than than Buddy. But I think it's it's got to be Buddy Matthews, and I think it would make perfect sense, especially with the history with uh, Alistair Black and, and Buddy Murphy and WWE, and now they can continue that here in, in AEW um, in their new respective names. But I I think it should be. I, I think visually, like, they obviously, like, it wouldn't be, like, uh, like, if you're an average fan, like, and you're not really, you don't really know much, you, you may not know why he would fit in. Um, but if you know the story, and I think if you really, even even though, like you said, like, it, it really doesn't make sense what he's saying, like, I think once it is revealed, I feel like he's going to do, he being Malachi Black, um, I think they're going to lay out the story perfectly. Because um, I really enjoyed, like, the production and everything, like, that they've been putting in with these, I don't even know how long they are, what, 30 seconds? Maybe not Oh, I like them, yeah, absolutely. I know I'm making fun of them, but I, I like the, the vibe of them for sure. Yeah, it sounds like a, a like you said like a different vibe to it, but I I think once Buddy actually makes his debut, they're gonna kind of tell the story and just kind of lay it out there and then go from there. But with the whole House of Black moniker, like you you do need to add people. It can't just be you, obviously, and, and then you with one other person. Like you have to have at least three people, I think, and I, that just kind of plays into the whole trios thing too going forward. So I think this is kind of like the groundwork for like a long term like story going forward, but. Yeah, like I, I kind of hope it is because I think there's a lot that they can play off of. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm still hoping for him to be in AEW I, again. Like I said, I've been advocating for a while, and 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 I'm, I just there's something to me. I, I really hope that he is just like the hype around, or at least the hype I've given around him is not just because he was quote unquote. I don't want to say he's like held down in WWE, but like, like I want to see, like you know, like this is a really. B- bad way to explain it but you put a person who's like mildly attractive 
around a bunch of people who you might find a lot less attractive. The person who's mildly attractive becomes a lot more attractive, right? But then you put someone who's mildly attractive in a room full of a bunch of people who's mildly attractive and super attractive. All of a sudden, they don't look so attractive. Like, I don't know if that made sense. That but makes, like, no, I was about to say, that makes a lot of sense. That's, you did a great job. I appreciate that. That is my concern with Buddy Murphy. You bring in Buddy Murphy, who looks really good in WWE, and, like, he's just being held down, and yada, yada, yada. Because we didn't see a lot from him otherwise. We Mostly main roster, right, from what I remember. Yeah. Um, and then you bring him into AEW, and then maybe he's not all he's cracked up to be. We're going to put him around a bunch of people who are mildly attractive to very attractive. You know, is he still going to show up and show out? Uh, similar, there's a someone who looks exactly like him, Trey Baxter. I, I know you watched that GCW show. Oh, yeah. And he had yeah. that match with Leo Rush. That yeah. was a fun match for sure. It was just goofy pro wrestling. You know what I mean? High-flying goofy pro wrestling for sure. But, yeah. um, but. You definitely got to see that Trey Baxter had a lot more than they let him do in NXT in that brief period that he was around in NXT 2.0. I'm hoping we get an even better version of that because you just, you haven't heard a lot. Buddy Matthews has wrestled in New Japan since he's been, you know, out of WWE, but we haven't heard anything, which which is kind of concerning. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, I don't know. Like you said, I, I do hope it is him, but if, if it's not him, like, I don't know really who else it would be. Like, at least no one else is like, like screaming out to me right now that I can think of off that, but like I don't, I don't know. Like it would make sense, but like that's a, a very interesting point that you make, and it is it's very accurate because he his style is pretty similar to like a lot of guys in AEW and I just say talent as a whole. Like they're they have similar styles, and it's I don't know in WWE like you said like he he did stand out because he was different, even though you had a especially with like the cruiserweight division and stuff like that. There was a little bit more lately, like your Mustafa Ali's and stuff like that. But in AEW, he he is going to kind of blend in a little bit more. So that's why I feel like if it is him, he kind of has to go to the house of black to make sure that he has something substantial to, to be occupied with. Um, but if not, like, I really don't know who else it would be, to be honest. Like, I, I just don't, I don't, I can't think of anyone and I'm probably missing someone completely obvious, but just not standing out right now. No, I can't think of anybody either, so if it's obvious, it's it's not too obvious. Um, yeah. Well, Ashley, thank you, as always. Um, crazy Cody Rhodes stuff, a bunch of others. So there's a lot going on in the world of pro wrestling, but um, my computer's going to die. Charger's in the yes. other room. I think we covered everything. Um, and Revolution, I'm jealous, is shaping up to be a great show that you're getting to, huh? It is, yeah. I, I hate to, to say it, but I'm I'm super stoked for it. Don't don't then, hate it. We're we're happy for we're becoming more and more happy for you. <laughs> yes. I'm trying. At least it's not CM Punk again because that one was rough. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, well, you want to give them the socials one more time too? We've, socials. Look yeah, at me. I'm yeah. on the Twitter. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> before, feel free to... uh, before we sign off here. <laughs> for sure. Feel free to uh, follow me on Twitter at a s h m a n n s. That's right. She's the Ashley man there too. Um, (laughs) And, uh, and don't follow me on Twitter. I don't want your follows. Um, But if you want to, it's at Mimi Burris and, um, and thank you guys for listening. And Ashley, thanks again. And I'll talk to you soon. Absolutely. Take care. Thanks for listening to the WWE podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a show or head to wwepodcast.com. And for all of these shows ad-free, head over to patreon.com slash WWE podcast. Until then, we'll see you 
next time.